Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. America's two great pastimes collide on this podcast. It is baseball and making money from the dog days of summer through the October Classic. Greg Faces Peterson's going to be free swinging at the betting board as he tries to hit a grand slam for your bankroll. Now here is GP. Saturday to 1-0. Welcome into the Zunia Tequila Studios. From OB Overtime Betting, Greg Peterson coming at you once again. And we've got another tremendous show for you. As Joe Murray of 98.5 The Sports Up going to be joining me in the second segment. It's going to be one of these things where we talk about the Red Sox. We talk about the overall playoff hunt and just betting September and playoff baseball in general. Does a great job out there hosting the gambling podcast over under 98.5 so gonna be getting into that in the final segment i give you a side and total on every game on today's las vegas betting board and a little something i like to call a touch them all first things first you guys fired some questions into the twitter mailbag as always feel free to tweet those in at gnr squirty one i will respond to anything that you throw on the timeline if i've already answered it i will refer you to the link in which i already answered the question to if not it will be answered on this podcast please do not dm them in my dms are essentially off limits it has a big giant lock and chain on it it says do not enter if you try to loiter you will be arrested you will be fined you will not pass go and you will not collect $200 but if you answer but if you send them to the timeline they will get answered just like these so you have questions and Greg may or may not have any insight into them but let's dive into the Twitter mailbag Steve the Greek at Steve the Greek 3 s at squirty one hey Greg and I say hi back. When pundits give their ATS numbers for teams, do they use closing line as the number comparing it to? If so, what sports book do they use? Typically, whenever you take a look at this, I would say 99.99999% of the time, 
whenever you see those against the spread numbers and everything like that, it is a closing line. Now the book that they use, it is variant. Some books use like Westgate, other books might use William Hill. It all depends on the outlet. Certain outlets have certain deals with certain books, so I'm not able to tell you exactly what book they use. I know that a lot of places use Westgate, but I'm sure that there's at least one out there that uses South Point. I'm sure that there are others out there that, especially when it's regional, they might be using more of that regional number, especially New Jersey. I wouldn't be doubting if someone's using FanDuel, something like that. So it is one of those situations where the specific book, a little bit to be determined, but typically it is always the closing number. Harry Hood at HHHood99S at GNRS41. When you are waiting on a line move, what percentage of the time does it move in your favor? Now, if I gave you an exact number, I would just be blowing wind out of my rear end because I can't tell you the exact percentage, but typically I would say it does result in being in my favor quite a bit more, especially when you're going with the public teams. Like, if you're fading the New York Yankees and you're all aboard the Baltimore Orioles, which if you were doing that this year, it didn't go well for you, but... Needless to say, if you wait a little bit longer on the Baltimore Orioles, you're probably going to get a little bit more value. I don't think that is too much of a reach. When you get on totals, sometimes it's a little bit better. Sometimes it's a little bit worse. And sometimes there's no movement whatsoever. Sometimes I'm just waiting on a line because every place has the over-under at minus 110. I'm hoping that someone gets it at like a minus 105 or even on the side that I like. And then I see it start to move a little bit out of my favorite. I just jump on one of the books that hasn't moved yet. And I've always said it on the podcast quite a bit, especially with run lines. I'm waiting to see if anyone else opens it up at a better number, which is why I'm not locking it in. Just because with the run lines, they seem to come a little bit later. And truth be told, whenever I do this podcast, it is during the evening and not every book has their numbers up. So sometimes when I'm waiting on a number, it's just because I'm waiting merely to see where other books will open. So hopefully that helps you out. I've had a couple people ask me this question, so I'm not going to give credit to anyone, but they always ask if a pitcher gets scratched and everything like that and they want pitcher dependent what will happen with their bet and if you have pitcher dependent your pitcher gets scratched you will wind up being able to get a refund if you go action though you essentially get the opening number in which the game is relisted with that pitcher that does wind up going like in the Pittsburgh Pirates versus the St. Louis Cardinals game yesterday Alex McRae winds up being the starter for the scratch Joe Musgrove if you go action you wind up getting the Pittsburgh Pirates at that plus price that it opens at at that book. Meanwhile, if you win pitcher dependent with Joe Musgrove, well, your bet is out the window. You are going to be getting a refund. And what it all is dependent on is the guy that throws the first pitch. That is what matters. I mean, Joe Musgrove could have thrown the second through 150th pitches of that game. But if Alex McCurry throws pitch number one and you got Joe Musgrove on your ticket, well, congratulations. You are getting yourself a nice big refund. So hopefully that answered your Twitter questions. Always feel free to tweet those in at GNNRSCORDY1 on the timeline. Now let's take a look back at yesterday's results, try to find some trends, and try to become better handicappers from it. What happened yesterday? Let's go around the bases and find out. The Arizona Diamondbacks were able to get a nice 7-5 win over the Cincinnati Reds. The Reds have been the top under team out there in baseball, but it does seem like their offense is starting to turn around a little bit. Meanwhile, with the Arizona Diamondbacks, this is now the hottest team in baseball. They have won 10 out of their last 11 games. They didn't even necessarily get the best start out of Robbie Ray in this one. Robbie Ray goes for in the third innings, giving up three runs, all of which were earned. Did not give up a home run, though, and the bullpen from there of the Diamondbacks, which has been a little bit suspect recently. Four and two-thirds innings, they give up two runs, so they certainly were able to do their job there, and for the years in the Diamondbacks, this is a team in the top eight in the big leagues with regards to home runs per game on the road, and they got a pair in this one. Cattell Marte is 31st of the year, and Nick Ahmad, his 18th as Tyler Molly 
once again cannot get a win for the Cincinnati Reds. He is 2-11 in his last 26 starts with the Cincinnati Reds. The team has won four of them. That is absolutely insane. You've got to be fading the Reds whenever Tyler Molly's on the mound, unless if you're getting some insane price as he goes four and a third innings, giving up five runs, all of which were, and I will say this for the Reds, bullpen has really been struggling. It's been in the bottom eight of the big leagues in regards to ERA ever since the All-Star break, but they go four and two thirds innings. They give up two runs in the process, and they were able to get a home run off the bat of Eugenio Suarez, and for Mr. Suarez, he wound up having one of the three-run variety. That is his 42nd of the year. He now has 20 home runs since the all break as well. That is a league high, but it was not enough for them to be able to get the win. Kansas City was able to scratch across three runs against the Miami Marlins, but that was enough to be able to get the victory. 3-0 the final in this one is Jorge Lopez, a guy that now is a 6.23 ERA despite this good start, was able to get the win. He goes six innings, giving up no earned runs. Keep in mind that this is a guy that when he was relegated from the starting rotation, was the second least profitable out there in the big leagues to Chris Sale. And Chris Sale, well, he was more than a $2 favorite in all of his starts. Roy Lopez was not. And the bullpen from there of the Kansas City Royals, three scoreless innings. And for the Royals, they got a big home run in this one in the eighth inning. Hunter Dozier is 25th of the year to give them some insurance, but they really didn't need it as one Pablo Lopez looked pretty good. It's his third start off the injured list and by far his best one. Six and a third innings, he gives up two runs. Bullpen from there, two and two thirds innings, giving up a run, but... This is a Marlins team that, as of right now, is scratching not a whole lot across. They've been very feast or famine with their bats. They had scored five runs or more in their last three games. Prior to that, they wound up scoring three runs or fewer in the previous two. Now they put up a goose egg, and the Miami Marlins have been playing right around 60% of their games to the over at home so far this year, so interesting to see that go down. The Atlanta Braves are getting some good starts out of Dallas Keuchel, and they get a 4-3 win over the Washington Nationals for Keuchel. Six innings of no-run baseball. He did give up six hits, but he was able to evade danger. Bullpen from there continues to be shaky for the Atlanta Braves. They go three innings, giving up three runs, all of which were earned for the Washington Nationals. Speaking of shaky bullpens, they give up two runs in the course of three innings as Wander's was wandering around and couldn't find the strike zone, but Patrick Corbin, a decent start in this one. He just needed to give more length five innings pitch. He gave up six walks, but just two runs, only one of which was earned. He was hurt by a pair of errors out there in the field, though one of those was on reliever Wander Suero, so that is one of those situations where if it's on the pitcher, does it really count as unearned runs? Though in this case, it did not. And for the Washington Nationals, Ryan Zimmerman is back at the fold, and he was able to get a home run his fifth of the campaign. And for the Atlanta Braves, they got a pair of home runs in this one from two of their mashers. Josh Donaldson is 35th of the campaign, and Ozzy Albies is 20th as Dallas Keuchel has now allowed two runs or fewer, I believe, in each of his last four starts. So he's been doing a good job of holding down the fourth there. A team that's been doing a very good job of holding down the fourth recently is the St. Louis Cardinals. They entered into Friday winners of 10 of their last 12, but in this one. The Pittsburgh Pirates, who I was mentioning a little bit before in that example of a switch pitcher, get the 9-4 win. As for the Pittsburgh Pirates, they didn't get a home run in this one, but they were able to get 12 hits. They went 6-12 of 12 with Ben in scoring position, and Alex McCray, a guy who entered with a 9.98 ERA, lowered that to an 8.41. Five innings pitch, he gives up two runs, both of which were earned. Bullpen from there goes four innings, giving up two runs, and for the St. Louis Cardinals, they just did not have the bullpen in this one. The San Luis Cardinals bullpen all year long has been solid. Ever since the All-Star break, number one team with regards to bullpen ERA, but they give up in three innings, eight runs, all of which were earned, none of which were off of home runs. It's Miles Mikolas. Good start in this one. Seven strikeouts, five innings. He gives up one run. And for the Cardinals, they were able to get a pair of home runs off the bat of Tommy Edmond. He gets his sixth and seventh of the campaign, but... And this one for the St. Louis Cardinals, it wasn't enough. And the Pittsburgh Pirates continue to be the top over team at home so far this year in regards to their over percent when they are at home. It's right around 66 to 67%. The Texas Rangers have been 
playing the most unders in the big leagues ever since the beginning of the month of August. I believe that this is their eighth over, might be their ninth ever since the beginning of the month of August as they get a 7-6 win against the Baltimore Orioles. In this one, they didn't get the start that they were desiring out of Brock Burke. He had been solid in his first two starts in this one. Gives up six runs over the course of five innings, but a Texas Rangers bullpen that has been in the bottom ten in the big leagues with the guards of ERA all year long. Four innings, they don't give up a single earned run. And for the Baltimore Orioles, their bullpen was unable to hold up in this one as they wind up not getting such a good start out of Dylan Bundy as well. Dylan Bundy had given up two earned runs or fewer and five out of his last six starts. And in this one, it was the old Dylan Bundy giving up five runs, all of which were earned at six innings, including two home runs. Bullpen from there gives two innings, and it was Paul Fry who took the loss. He gave up two runs without getting a single out. But encouraging for the Baltimore Orioles, they do get a trio of home runs. Anthony Santander is 18th of the year. Richie Martin is fifth, and Trey Boomer Mancini is 30th. But for the Texas Rangers, their pair of home runs came off the bat of Willie Calhoun, who had four RBI. He collected his 17th and 18th home runs of the year. And the Texas Rangers were able to overcome the fact that they tried to steal three times and were caught stealing all three times. So that is pretty comical as the Texas Rangers were able to use those home runs to be able to get back on the winning track as this is still a team that is 15 games below 500 on the road. The Boston Red Sox are back to 500 at home as they are able to get a win over the New York Yankees by a count of 6-1. For the New York Yankees, just nothing new and on offense. Their lone run, a Brett Gardner home run is 21st of the year. That came off of Mr. Andrew Kasher as Ulysse Justine was the starter for this team. He only goes two innings in this one. Didn't give up a single run and the Boston Red Sox have had the second best bullpen ERA in the big leagues ever since the beginning of the month of August. They go seven innings. Andrew Kashner giving up that solo run, the only run that they gave up as they went with a wholesale approach and it worked to perfection. And what else worked to perfection was Mitch Moreland being able to get a big shot off of Domingo Herman. It's 15th of the year. As for Mr. Herman, this is the guy that entered into Friday, the most profitable pitcher out there in the big leagues. If you bet $100 on every one of his starts so far this year, you're up over $1,000. But in this one, he goes four and a third innings, giving up five runs, all of which were earned, including a home run. Keep in mind with Herman giving up right around 1.7 to 1.8 home runs per nine innings. And the bullpen of the Yankees continues to be good. They wind up going three and two-thirds innings. They give up just one run. And for the Boston Red Sox, this is a team that all of a sudden is playing a whole bunch of unders as each of their five games so far in the month of September have went under. And for the New York Yankees, this is the top over team on the road so far this year in the big leagues. But now they're down to about 63 to 64% of their road games going over. The New York Mets said it was all over between them and the Philadelphia Phillies as they get a 5-4 win over the Phillies. And for Philadelphia, Zach Eflin, not a bad start once again in this one. Third straight start in which he gives up two earned runs or fewer, and he did this in the course of five innings, giving up two earned runs, one home run. Bullpen from there of the Philadelphia Phillies, which has actually been decent ever since the All-Star break, but was not able to get the job done. Once again against the New York Mets, ironically enough, whenever these two teams play, it seems like the bullpens just go to mush as in this one, the bullpen of the Phillies goes three and two-thirds innings, giving up three runs, all of which were earned. The brightest spot of the Philadelphia Phillies was a JT Riamuto two-run home run, his 23rd of the year, that tied the game in the ninth, but then the New York Mets were able to get their walk-off winner thanks to a Pete Alonzo walk. So, walking in a run to end the game, not necessarily the best as for the New York Mets. Edwin Diaz is the undeserving winner in this one as he won up giving up that home run to J.T. Riamuto and Steven Matz has been absolutely terrific for the Mets. Ever since the beginning of the month of August, he's allowed more than two earned runs in just one of his starts and this one going five and two-thirds innings giving up two runs. And then the Mets bullpen had been looking very good, but you always have to avoid Diaz and for the Mets, they were also able to get a deep shot in this one. Michael Conforto, his 29th home run of the year. That is something that the Toronto Blue Jays were not able to get as the Toronto Blue Jays 
not only didn't get a deep shot, they had just two hits total against the Tampa Bay Rays as the Rays were able to get a 5-0 win. For the Toronto Blue Jays, Clay Buckles, not great, but not an awful start. Six innings pitch, he gives up four runs, three of which were earned. And then the bullpen winds up going two innings. They give up one unearned run as it was a pair of errors by the fielding of the Toronto Blue Jays that really cost them there. And for the Blue Jays, just nothing doing. This is a team that, in their starting lineup, had two players with a batting average above a 230. You do want to note that they've got a lot of pop in their lineup, but they are an all-or-nothing team. And for the Tampa Bay Rays, they sometimes are a little bit of an all-or-nothing team, but they were able to get a home run in this one off the bat of Mike Zanino. His ninth of the campaign, Brendan McKay, wound up being the starter for the Tampa Bay Rays, I believe, in six out of his last eight starts. He had given up three or more earned runs, but he was limited in this one, three and two-thirds innings. Doesn't give up a single run, and then from there, bullpen is able to do their job. Five and a third innings, they give up one hit, no earned runs. Needless to say, very solid for a Tampa Bay Rays team that I believe is now currently holding one of the wild card spots out there in the American League. So they've had a nice little come up. The Houston Astros, they always have a come up whenever they play the Seattle Mariners, and they get a 7-4 win. I don't know if the Mariners have won a single game in Houston so far this year, despite the fact that they've been an underdog so many times. And for the Mariners, they were able to get a long shot off the bat of Daniel Vogelback, his 30th home run of the year. Things actually look pretty good for them as once again, they get a pair of runs in the first inning. On Thursday, they got five. In this one, they get two. But then the Astros counter right back with three runs of their own. And then it was Josh Reddick later on in the game that was able to get his 12th home run of the year. That came off of Tommy Malone. And Tommy Malone's struggles continue. He winds up giving up four runs, three of which were earned over the course of four innings. And then the opener of the Seattle Mariners just continues to be a massive failure as Reggie McClain in his one inning gives up three runs, all of which were earned, putting Tommy Malone behind the eight ball. From there, the bullpen was able to go three innings for the Houston Astros. And for the Astros, they were able to get some pretty good bullpen pitching after Fran Valdez gave, once again, a not-so-good start for it. Innings pitch, he gives up three runs, all of which were earned. Bullpen from there, a total of five innings. They give up that solo home run to Daniel Vogelback and absolutely nothing else. So the Astros continuing to look solid. 13 out of their last 17 games. So even though they're laying these big numbers, they have been able to do a very good job with them. The LA Angels haven't been doing a very good job of being able to cover numbers. And they have the fewest amount of wins by one run of any team with 60 plus wins out there in the big leagues. But they were able to claw out a close 5-4 to four win over the Chicago White Sox. Because for the Angels, Dylan Peters did not give the start that they desired. Four and a third innings gives up four runs, all of which weren't including a home run. But a bullpen of the Angels, which had been in the bottom five of the big leagues in the month of August with regards to ERA, they stepped up four and two-thirds innings. They don't even as much as allow a hit. And for the Angels, they were able to get a trio of home runs from guys you wouldn't necessarily expect. Justin Upton, his 12th of the year, that came off of Alex Coloma, and that was the difference maker in the game. Brian Goodwin winds up getting a home run his 16th of the year to tie the game up in the 8th. And then Luis Grangifo very early in the game got one off of Lucas Giolito, his 7th. As for Lucas Giolito, a good start in this one. He deserved better. 7 innings pitch. He gives up 2 runs, both of which were earned. He's been one of the more profitable pitchers out there in the big leagues and continues to perform for the Chicago White Sox. Bullpen for the year has been pretty solid for the team, but on this night, they wind up giving up 3 runs in 2 innings, all of which were earned. And for the White Sox, they were able to get a home run in this one. That was off the bat of Tim Anderson, his 16th of the year. But for the Chicago White Sox, this is a team in the bottom five of the big leagues with regards to runs per game scored ever since the All-Star break. So they certainly have had their issues there. The Milwaukee Brewers have had their issues with the Chicago Cubs all year long, whether that be home or road. But on this night, they were able to tame the Cubs by a count of 7-1. For the Chicago Cubs, they did not get the start that they wanted out of Cole Hamels. Three and a third innings, giving up five runs, all of which were including two home runs. Bullpen from there continues to be good. The Cubs' bullpen, I feel like, is very undervalued. Many people 
look at Craig Kimbrell being on the injured list as a negative. I actually think it's a positive because Kimbrell has not been himself so far this year as the bullpen goes forward in two-thirds innings, giving up just two runs in the process, but only one of which were earned. They were hurt by a pair of errors out there in the field, none of which were by the pitcher. And for the Cubs, their lone run in this game, a Nick Cassiato's home run, his 13th while with the Chicago Cubs, his 22nd of the year. And for the Milwaukee Brewers, pair of home runs in this one. That man, Christian Yelich, once again does it. 44 home runs on the year, three RBI to give him 96, and then Yasmani Grandal also gives the Alpha Cole Amos his 24th as Zach Davies, a guy who had been just a complete mess from late July to early August. He goes five innings in this one, gives up just one run. Bullpen of the Milwaukee Brewers looks to be getting back to their water level and looks to be improving, though, as they wind up going four innings in this one, not giving up a single hit. They didn't even need to use Josh Hader in this one, so big plus for the Milwaukee Brewers. Big plus for the Cleveland Indians as well, as they cash as a pretty significant underdog against the Minnesota Twins, 6-2 the final in this one in 11 innings. Adam Blutko, a good start. Six innings pitch, he gives up two runs, both of which were earned, and then the bullpen of the Cleveland Indians, which has the best ERA out there in the big leagues. They go combined five innings, not allowing a single run. Carlos Carrasco came out of the bullpen, looked much better in this one, getting two strikeouts in his inning. For the Cleveland Indians, they did leave 10 men on base, but they were able to scratch across four runs in the 11th and setting up that team to be able to get to extra innings. Francisco Lindor and his two-run home run in the third inning is 28th of the year. And then for the Minnesota Twins, they got some good pitching as well in this one out of, out of Michael Pineda. Six innings pitch, gives up just one run. Bullpen from there was very solid until it got late. They wind up giving up a combined five runs in five innings. This is a Twins bullpen that has been vastly improved, but when you get to extra innings, things get a little bit dicey. And for the Twins, they just weren't able to get men in scoring position. They got nine hits, but they were just two of five with men in scoring position, so they weren't really driving them around in this one. Speaking of teams that weren't driving them around, the Colorado Rockies and the San Diego Padres. 3-2 the final in this one. The Colorado Rockies get the win. They entered into this one having lost 21 out of their last 26 road games, and Tim Melville, another good start from him. Five and two-thirds innings. He gives up two runs, both of which were earned. He's made four starts. In three of them, he's given up two earned runs or fewer. I can't say I saw that coming. For the Colorado Rockies, they've had the worst bullpen ERA in the big leagues ever since the All-Star break. They wind up going a combined three in the third innings, not giving up a single hit. And for the Padres, this is a team that's really struggling on offense right now. The Nelson Lamette wound up being just a tough luck loser in this one. Six innings pitch. He does give up three runs, only one of which were earned as Manny Machado of all guys winds up creating the error. And for the San Diego Padres, they were just one of seven with that in scoring position. But a good news but a good sign for the San Diego Padres. They go three innings out of the bullpen, giving up just one hit. There should be some positive regression coming in for the Padres as their fielding independent in the bullpen is actually better than that of their actual ERA. And then the San Francisco Giants were the big underdog of the night that wound up cashing. They take down the LA Dodgers by a count of 5-4. to four. As for the Dodgers, Clayton Kershaw did not have his best start. He winds up getting removed after four innings, giving up three runs, all of which were earned. He wound up jacking up his pitch count to 99. From there, the LA Dodgers, not bad out of the bullpen. They give up two runs over the course of five innings, but keep in mind, this is a San Francisco Giants team averaging right around 5.3 runs per game on the road at home, more like 3.3, and they actually have a winning record on the road, three games above 500. At home, they're eight games below 500, so some weird splits there. And all of a sudden, the San Francisco Giants may have found another piece that they're going to be able to use in the future in Mauricio Dubin as he winds up getting his second home run over the course of the last four days and his second of the year. And then Jeff Samarja has been pretty good for the San Francisco Giants team ever since the beginning of the month of August. And this one, he goes six 
ever since the beginning of the month of July. And in this one, he goes six innings, giving up three runs, all of which were earned. I believe it's just the third time since the beginning of the month of July in which he gave up three-plus runs. And then the bullpen of the San Francisco Giants does their job. They've been a little bit up and down ever since they sold pieces at the trade deadline, but they go a combined three innings, giving up one run in the process. And that one run was a solo home run. Being able to supply that for the LA Dodgers was A.J. Pollock, who had not one, not two, but three home runs, his 11th, 12th, and 13th of the year, and yet the Dodgers wind up losing despite his three home runs. So needless to say, that was a little bit in vain. I have to post this by midnight Pacific, so I have to give you one in-progress game as the Detroit Tigers and the Oakland A's were going at it. Top of the 11th inning as I speak right now. Right now, it is a 4-4 to game as the Tigers look like they were out of this. They were down by a count of 4-0 to going into the 7th inning. And then the Oakland A's bullpen which has been highly unreliable recently. They wind up giving up two runs in the eighth inning, and Homer Bailey gives up two in the seventh. Homer Bailey, all in all, though, not a bad start. Six and a third innings gives up two runs, both of which were earned. And then Jake Diekman has given up those two runs out of the bullpen. As for the Detroit Tigers, they do have a home run in this one off the bat of Christian Stewart. They are lucky to have him back. That is his eighth of the year. And for the Oakland A's, they have went one of four with men in scoring position. They have been really scoring thanks to a lot of walks as they only have five hits in this one. As for the Detroit Tigers, Spencer Turnbull was essentially an opener in this one. He winds up going one and two-thirds innings. He gives up four runs, all of which were earned. The Tigers bullpen from there, a group that has been absolutely surprising and actually pretty good the past couple months. They go eight and a third innings to this point, not giving up a single run and just one hit. Absolutely amazing. I don't think that anyone saw that coming. And earlier in the day, they wound up wrapping up a game from like early May. 7-3 was final in this one. The Oakland A's were able to scratch across two runs in the ninth. And this game, by the way, wrapped up in Oakland after starting in Detroit. So I thought that that was a little bit interesting. Chad Pinder was able to get a home run in that one. So whoop de doo for him and for the Detroit Tigers. Winding up getting the loss very, very late in the process. Zach Rankin as Gregory Soto was the guy that started off this game. So... I find that to be a little bit funny. And what did we all learn from Major League Baseball on this Friday, kids? How about the Oakland A's still having some bullpen issues, but the Pittsburgh Pirates continuing to play a whole bunch of overs at home. The St. Louis Cardinals, they still have a great bullpen, but on Friday it just wasn't going their way. The Texas Rangers been the hottest team to the under ever since the beginning of the month of August, but perhaps Brock Burke is not a guy that they can rely upon after two good starts. The Boston Red Sox are getting some very good bullpen pitching right now, and Domingo Ramon continues to give up home runs. The New York Mets bullpen looking a little bit shaky whenever Edwin Diaz goes out there, but Steven Matz continue to give them some very good starts. The Tampa Bay Rays are looking very dominant with their pitching up and down, and the Toronto Blue Jays just can't generate hits at this point. The Arizona Diamondbacks are the hottest team out there in baseball right now. Meanwhile, the Cincinnati Reds, their bullpen pitching has not been good recently. And Robbie Ray, certainly not a guy that is looking like an ace. The Atlanta Braves are officially getting some very, very good starts out of Dallas Keiko. Meanwhile, the Washington Nationals, their bullpen leaving a little bit of something to be desired as well. The Miami Marlins offense, very much hit or miss. Meanwhile, the Kansas City Royals actually getting some decent bullpen pitching. Depends on the day with them. The Chicago White Sox continuing to have a little bit of a tough time on offense. And for the LA Angels, their bullpen perhaps is starting to finally get back online as their offense certainly has been doing a decent job. The Chicago Cubs, who had won five straight on the road, wind up losing one to the Milwaukee Brewers and Cole Hamels ever since coming off the injured list has not looked like himself. Meanwhile, the Brewers bullpen looks to be rounding back in the form. The Houston Astros continue to be hot and they continue to own the Seattle Mariners and the Mariners continue to play overs. They played over 60% of their road games to the over. The Cleveland Indians are getting some very good starts out of Adam Pluko and the bullpen continues to be at the top out there in the big leagues. The San Diego 
Padres are not doing a very good job of being able to hit for average at this point. And the LA Dodgers, they always just seem to be pushed by the San Francisco Giants, who is a team that's straight up as an underdog right around 500 so far this year. So that is what we all learned from Major League Baseball on Friday. Now let's take a look at some of Saturday's games. Let's talk some Boston Red Sox. Let's talk about the AL playoff picture. Let's just look forward to October baseball in general. Joe Murray of 98.5 The Sports Hub is going to help me do that next time. Greg is going to the bullpen as he makes a call to the Azunia Hotline. And we are back here on MLE Overtime Betting. Greg Peterson coming at you from the Azunia Tequila Studios out here in lovely Las Vegas. You've heard this man on College Hoops Overtime a few times. You've heard this man on That's Gold. You've heard him also on this fine podcast as well. And it's because he does tremendous work out there in the lovely city of Boston. He does over under 98.5, the podcast slash radio show for 98.5, the sports hub out there in the lovely city of Boston. Does a great job covering the Red Sox, the Boston Bruins, the Boston Celtics. You name it in the New England area, he does it. And oh, by the way, football season's back. I'm sure that he's a little bit fired up about that. And you can follow this man on Twitter at Joey Murray. It is Joe Murray joining me. And Joe, great to have you aboard. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. I think the Red Sox are toast. You mentioned football season. I think it's officially uh, time to turn the page and focus on the Patriots. But here we are. There is a little bit of a race here in Major League Baseball. There certainly is. And the Boston Red Sox actually aren't overly far out of the wild card hunt. But with that said, they're right now in a huge series against the New York Yankees. As of right now, when we're doing this podcast, it's going to be Jay Happ versus an undecided pitcher for the Boston Red Sox. I'm thinking it'll probably be something like Brian Johnson and then the wholesale approach, something in that neighborhood. But why is it that the Boston Red Sox are 11 games above 500 on the road, and yet at home they're right around 500? It's one of the most interesting splits ever because this is perennially a team that does okay on the road and really excels at home. Well, the biggest thing for me is this. Other teams can play at Fenway. People love coming to Fenway. Uh, the starting pitcher was Julius uh, Chassin, who just came oh, over. Oh, yeah, from Milwaukee <laughs> Brewers fame. <laughs> he was pitching go. for my Brewers earlier this year. He stunk. So there you go. Boom, boom. Here's the deal with the Red Sox, man. The pitching was so terrible. They never replaced Craig Kimbrell. They never replaced Joe Kelly. David Price wasn't the same. Chris Sale got this huge contract at the beginning of the year. I mean, this is a team that is truly talented. You look at the top four in their batting lineup, Mookie Betts, Xander Bogarts, Raphael Devers would be an MVP candidate if it wasn't for Mike Trout. And then J.D. Martinez continues to hit the baseball. So what a such a disappointing year for the Red Sox. This is a... World Series contending team that is just playing terrible. And you mentioned the home road splits. It's awful. And it's Yankees Red Sox right now. And I bet you the tickets aren't even sold out. After their loss, we had a chance to see this. JD Martinez hits a ball off the wall. Raphael Devers gets thrown out at home to end the game. They're now six and a half back in the wild card. It's officially done. It is donezo. I know we've seen crazy things before, but that's it, man. They have 21 pitchers on their roster with the September call-ups. Dave Dombrowski's job is on the line. There's literally talks about firing a guy who won the World Series a year ago. So in Boston right now, a lot of people don't know what they're going to do with their baseball team. They're hanging around. We don't know about Chris Sale's future. David Price has elbow issues. The general manager. We know that Alex Cora is going to stay in place, but what's the future of Mookie Betts? Will J.D. Martinez come back? Huge. Question marks when it comes to the Boston Red Sox. 
I do agree with you as we've got Joe Murray of 98.5 The Sports Hub joining me right here on the podcast. And what I also find so interesting about the Boston Red Sox, their bullpen since the beginning of the month of August has actually been nails. Second best bullpen ERA in the big leagues ever since the month of August. They've been playing a lot of unders recently, but you mentioned it. The starting pitcher, Yulee's just seen. He is absolutely awful. Brian Johnson has been used in starts. He's not giving them anything. David Bryce was injured. The list goes on and on, and that's really the big bugaboo because this is a team that scores runs. This is a bullpen that, is it great? No. Do you have that big-time closer? No, but we're at least seeing them perform better. But the other teams out there in the American League, teams like the Tampa Bay Rays and the New York Yankees, they're able to counter that bullpen, and they have better starting pitching. Yeah, the Yankees went out and made the moves this year, you know, and that's what they did. The one thing the Yankees did that was really smart was when they knew they were out of it, they made the trades to get better. I mean, if you you look at it, they traded what? Chapman brought in one of the great player here and get Chapman back. That was an outstanding move. So, yeah, the Yankees still have some pitching questions, but they mashed the baseball. What, 92 wins now on the year for them? I'll tell you, if we could get a Dodgers... Yankees World Series, that is good for baseball. And I know, Greg, you're in the, every day. You're, you, you know, you wait till college basketball starts. I know that's your thing, but every day you're giving picks and you're looking at Major League Baseball and there's probably two teams, right? In your opinion, there's probably two teams that have a chance to actually win the World Series. Now you could throw Houston in there, but the Dodgers and the Yankees, to me, those are the best two teams in all of baseball. And I don't even think there's even an argument with that, but. Pitching will be what it is in the end, and the Dodgers didn't have it last year towards the end of the year, and well, I think the Yankees have it. It's just they're probably going to have to depend on different guys than, let's say, CC Sabathia. I actually would put the Houston Astros ahead because with the Houston Astros, you've got better starting pitching. With the New York Yankees in a one-game winner-take-all series, who would you put against Justin Verlander? Domingo Herman, James Paxson? It's just not a fair fight right there. I know that Adam Adovino, Tommy Canely, all those guys very good out there in the bullpen, but give me Justin Verlander all day against no matter who the Yankees throw out there. I totally agree with you on that, but it's baseball, right? Any day of the oh, week. Yeah. And listen, I hope Verlander, I know he just pitched that no-hitter, but... And he's a minus $4 favorite against the Seattle Mariners on Saturday. Now that is against Yusei Kikuchi. Yusei Kikuchi sucks, but still $4 favorite again. Hey, so I have this big thing, right? Like a, a pitcher throws a no hitter. I try to fade them in the next game. The Red Sox one night scored 22 runs against Baltimore. The Baltimore Orioles who have given up more home runs against anyone. And the Red Sox had I think a, I remember a one hitter the next day. Like those are the By things. <laughs> exactly. So you know. So exactly. So that I wouldn't be surprised if that happened. But yeah, just looking around the major league baseball standings, yeah, Yankees have ninety two wins. I just watched the Twins versus the Red Sox. The Twins are legit. Now I don't know if they can beat the Yankees. The Astros have the pedigree, ninety one wins this year, and you mentioned the, the starting pitching there, but I kind of root for the ace. I don't know what it is about them. Maybe it's the money ball thing. They're hanging around. Cleveland's fading a little bit, but they have one of the best managers in all of baseball in Terry Francona. So I still think the Yankees are the best team, and I think it would be nice to mix it up a little bit. Get the Yankees back in. Baseball is struggling. The attention span for the fan is struggling. A Yankees in the World Series is good for baseball, and that's coming from someone from Boston. I agree with you, and I do think that if the Cubs would be able to make a run, that would be big as well as it's going to be the Cubs versus the Milwaukee Brewers on Saturday. You Darvish wound up getting scratched from a start a couple of days ago. He's going to be on the mound against Gio Gonzalez. 
The big bugaboo of the Cubs all year long has been the fact that they can't win games on the road. They're winning right around 66% of their games at home. On the road, they're more than 10 games below 500. But you're taking a look at the Chicago Cubs. All of a sudden, going into Friday, they had won five straight games on the road. They've been doing a good job against the Milwaukee Brewers. I think that a Cubs versus Yankees, Cubs versus Astros, something like that World Series also could be very good for baseball. Oh, very, very good for baseball. And, I mean, I guess right now is I think we just need to see more from these star players. I mean, I don't think baseball markets people enough. That's the problem. Like, I watched the Twins the other night and, like, Sano, and I just don't see enough of these guys. Like, you know all the names. But for me, here, it's like, oh, they come into Fenway. Mike Trout came into Fenway two weeks ago. And when they announced him, no one booed. Nothing. And, like, this is one of the biggest guys in the game. So for me, I would like to see some of these other players on the national stage just to get to know them a little better. You hear the names, people play fantasy sports and things of that degree. I think just baseball has a problem. We could talk all we want about matchups and what's good and what's bad. On a national spotlight, though, in a meaningful game, I think people will watch baseball. So no matter what, but I think they do need to do a better job at marketing these guys. And like you mentioned, games this weekend, like it's Red Sox Yankees and I got no buzz. I'm already looking at Patriots Steelers. I guess that's what happened when your team is truly out of it. Yeah, it's one of those situations where it's a little bit tough. I'm going through it as a Milwaukee Brewers fan as we've got Joe Murray joining me right here on the podcast. And I do think that the downfall of so many teams is the fact that they're relying on one thing for the Milwaukee Brewers, Christian Yelich, Christian Yelich and more Christian Yelich for the Washington Nationals. They have absolutely no bullpen whatsoever, though. If you're looking for a team that could crash a party out there in the National League, I would go with the Washington Nationals. Anthony Rendon and Juan Soto have been nails. If you get Max Scherzer healthy, would you want to go up against Patrick Corbin, Max Scherzer, and Steven Strasburg in a five-game series? I don't think so either, but I feel like so many teams are so one-dimensional, and I do feel like the team that has the best chance to be able to win the World Series is the Houston Astros because I feel like they have the fewest flaws. Yeah, and what wins, right? How did the Red Sox win last year? They started using a lot of their guys, their starters in the bullpen. You just mentioned that lineup for the for the Astros. Their pitching staff, if they can find a way to... I don't know if I want to use Verlander out of the bullpen. I think the Red Sox uh, saw him a couple years ago out of the bullpen. He struggled, but yeah, you're right. There's no one. Nobody in baseball that can match that. You'd think the Dodgers might be able to, right? But Yankees are favored in the American League right now? Uh, the Yankees are currently actually second in the American League. The Astros are less than two to one to win the American League, and they're right around two to one to win the World Series, actually. So you're right. The pitching staff and these things change. We'll find out what happens before the odds are out for the playoffs and see who's in and what matchup and the wild card and all and everything like that. But you're right, man. Pitching is what has won. I just go back to the Red Sox last year. They could hit. It was their pitching staff that led them to a championship. The Astros can do it. They have the pedigree to do it. I just think the, the Yankees have the power and the bats to do so. And you mentioned the pitching as well. On Saturday, we see some really bad pitchers taking them out. Drew Smiley is going to be pitching for the Philadelphia Phillies, who are somehow, someway still in the playoff picture. It's going to be Austin Voth going for the Washington Nationals. That's a team that leads the NL wild card. Tyler Beatty has been a hot mess. The Toronto Blue Jays have some guy I've never heard of with a last name K that just showed up on the bag- betting board. Jordan Zimmerman for the Detroit Tigers. Danny Duffy is getting a start. Dylan Covey is going out for the, there for the Chicago White Sox. I think this is a big issue for baseball. Having some of these starting pitchers that are just absolutely awful just is killing the game right now because you get these guys, you always want to see uh-oh, Mad Max Scherzer versus Jacob DeGrom and everything like that, like we saw a couple days ago. 
but they're not backed up by good bullpens, and you don't see as many of these marquee matchups anymore either. That's right. And now we're in September, right? And like we mentioned, Chassin is pitching. Yeah, I think they're going to start resting, guys. I think that's one thing we've noticed of late. But that's one thing when Francona was in Boston, I only use these guys as, as examples because they've won championships, but you know, the Red Sox, they used to rest their guys at this time of year. They needed them ready to go for the beginning of the year. So, yeah, when we look at a lot of these matchups, you might see some really high spreads in here. I mean, you Darvish is going for the Cubs, but they need to. You know, Gio Gonzalez is going for Milwaukee. They, they have to throw those guys out there. You mentioned Verlander is going tomorrow. But when you look at a lot of teams like Voth, he's pitching for Washington. Like, I don't know if you saw this one, but 87% of the money is on the Braves against Washington. I feel like Washington needs these games a little bit more. I, it's just my opinion on that. Absolutely. And that was, truth be told, it wasn't supposed to be Austin Voth yeah. pitching before. It was originally Joe Ross, and they made a switcheroo. So this game, as we're doing yeah, it, is and off in the Oakland, board. right? I mean, you look at them, it's, they 82% of the money, and they, they should against Detroit. But yeah. Right now, the <laughs> it's September baseball. Those call-ups are here, and we're going to see a lot of those names out there. Absolutely, and I will say, I was mentioning it a little bit before, it will be Anthony K going for the Toronto Blue Jays. He was actually the star of that Marcus Stroman trade, so I'm actually interested to see what happens there. And is there any particular angles that you're going to be looking at at betting baseball in September or in the playoffs in general? Because I actually noticed that one of my best months of betting baseball last year was the playoffs. The September month was one that had its ups and downs for me personally, but I actually do think that things get a little bit easier when you get to the postseason because you sort of know what you're going to be able to expect. You knew that the Brewers were going to go with the wholesale approach, and you knew that other teams that had these star pitchers, they were going to ride them. Oh, yeah. Let's say Nathan Avaldi last year. You just look what he did in the playoffs. You know, you're starting games, went into the bullpen. I think he pitched, what, seven innings in extra innings and then obviously gave up that home run to lose the game. But now he's looked at as a guy that could have been an MVP candidate. And, you know, they really leaned on him and he got injured earlier this year as well. So, yeah, you're going to have to lean on these guys. This is what they want, right? This is what you want. You want your star pitchers. This is what happened with Strasburg a few years ago where he didn't pitch. If you remember, they wanted to watch his innings count. And this is the time of year where you got to get in. I think it's resting your bullpen and riding your Bulldogs early on to get you into that position in the playoffs. And we have noticed a lot of these teams, like we even saw with the Minnesota Twins, they wound up having Dobnak pitch like one inning or something like that. They took the wholesale approach. So we've been seeing that more and more in September as well. And I do think that is becoming a trend. Aside from these teams that they badly need these games, like the St. Louis Cardinals and the Chicago Cubs going out in the NL Central, both these teams need every one of those games. A team that's fighting for a wild card, like even I would say the Oakland A's and Cleveland Indians are right now leading the wild card, but at the same time, they need every one of these. You can't be resting your studs or anything like that. You got to do everything you can to get in and obviously set yourself up for that one game wild card. But I do think that there are so many variables that are being played out and that you need to take them into account in your handicapping, not just looking at, oh, the Cleveland Indians, they've got this guy on the mound. He's probably going to be able to go nine innings. It's like, eh, I think they're probably thinking about the wild card. Yeah, no, when well. it comes to like pitchers and the ERA and the over under totals. And things like that. You mentioned last year that you did very well with the playoffs last year. And for me, I thought I did well because I just went with the team that I thought had just a little bit better manager and a, and a guy that used his team a little bit better. And that's what Alex Cora did. You know, I just talked about the Astros and the Yankees. Sometimes you have to look at the manager, right? I don't know. Now that I'm thinking about it, manager for the Yankees could be their weak spot heading into the playoffs. Absolutely. He lets Brett Gardner bang the bat on the top of the dugout and everything like that. I mean, it's very savage what he's doing. I think that you get the joke right there. 
Oh, I, I love it there. But yeah, you're right, yeah. man. When it comes to baseball, sometimes the manager does have a big importance. It has nothing to do with ERA or how many given up or how they play at home or any of that kind of stuff. I totally agree with you, which is why I do think that there will be some value on the Cubs. Joe Man, the guy that has won the World Series, and I think he's going to have his team ready when it comes time for October. And a man that is always ready to deliver some great shows is Joe Murray, doing tremendous work out there for 98.5 The Sports Hub. We'd like to close it up with this. Where can the good people find you on social media and hear a lot of your work? Because you are doing a tremendous job out there in the lovely city yes, of Yes, and as you know, the city of champions, I hate to throw that in everyone's face, but Patriot season is upon us. Red Sox, of course, finishing up the season. Celtics approaching as well as the Bruins. But you can listen to the podcast over under 985. Giving out a ton of college picks and NFL. Went 2-0 and in the NFL. 19-10-2 on the season in college football. Listen to the podcast. We give out our plays there. And follow on Twitter at Joey Murray. You might even get some good happy. Halftime plays as well. I love it. I absolutely love it. Volume is fun. So is being able to cash some tickets. Joe Murray does a good job of doing that. And he does a great job of being a radio show host out there for 98.5 The Sports Hub. So big thanks to him for joining me right here on MLB Overtime Betting. And coming up next, it is that time that I do give you a side and total on every game on today's Las Vegas betting board. And we do so in something I like to call Touch Em All. Welcome back to MLB Overtime. Greg is throwing a gem, so yeah, he better not blow it. And we are back here in the Zuni Tequila Studios for MLB Overtime Batting. A big thanks to our man from 98.5 The Sports Hub, Joe Murray, for joining me in the last segment. Now it is that time, the podcast, in which I give you a side and total on every game on today's Las Vegas betting board. And we do so in something I like to call Touch Em All. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. Note that any changes are made to these plays are going to be listed up on my Twitter feed at GNRSQuarty1. With some of these plays, are all locked in, good to go, bet on everything like that. With other of these plays, we're in Wayne C mode, waiting on lineup changes, line moves, everything like that. As per usual, we are going to be going in Las Vegas rotation order when we do start. And for any changes, everything like that, numbers I lock in that are pending, you can go to my Twitter feed at GNRSQuarty1 for that. And we're going to be starting out with 951-952 on the banking board. It is the Cincinnati Reds playing OC Arizona Diamondbacks. Alex Young goes for the D-backs. Luis Castillo for the Cincinnati Reds. Your total on this game ranging between 8.5 and, and 9. On the 8.5, the so juice is anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120 on the over. The under is anywhere between even and minus 105. If you're looking at the 9, that under is juice of minus 120. The over is even. Looking at the Diamondbacks, getting anywhere between plus 138 and plus 140. Meanwhile, if you're looking to lay it with the Reds, that's anywhere between minus 148 and minus 155. These are a pair of pitchers that... I feel like I've been very good as younger guys so far this year. Luis Castillo has seen a little bit of regression recently, especially at home, but all in all, he's been very good. 14-5 and record. He's given up just over a home run per nine innings. His biggest kryptonite is walks. With regards to walks, he's given up just under four per nine innings, and you take a look at him for the year. 3-2-5 ERA. He's getting over 11 strikeouts per nine innings. We've noticed that he's been giving up a lot more runs recently, though. In four out of his last five starts, he's given up three-plus earned runs. And a couple of those have been at home. It is... Two starts in the month of August, his first two at least, he gave up at least three earned runs. He bounced back with a nice start against the Padres, but he has been certainly showing some chinks in the armor recently. And then you take a look at Alex Young. He got off to an absolutely relentless start and still doing a very good job. 6-3 record, 384 ERA, but he's starting to wilter a little bit as well, but he seems to have gotten himself back online. He's given up three earned runs or fewer in each of his last three starts. 
Prior to that, in eight and a third innings against the Dodgers and the Giants, he gave up a total of nine. But Pat said he has really been a rock, and with the Arizona Diamondbacks, this is a lineup that actually does a better job of hitting on the road than they do at home, especially when it comes to home runs. With regards to home runs, they're in the top eight of the big leagues when it comes to hitting them out on the road at home. They're below average, and they've got a lot of good guys that have high batting averages, including Cattell Marte and Wilmer Flores. Both these guys hitting above a 310, and in the case of Marte, 30 home runs and 85 RBI. Then you've got just a whole bevy of guys hitting between a 255 and I would say a 270. Eduardo Escobar, Christian Walker, Jose Rojas, Adam Jones, Tim LaCastro, Nick Ahmad, Carson Kelly, all in that neighborhood. Left out of there is Rod Dyson. He's hitting a 245, but his stolen base count right now in the top five in the big leagues. And then you also have Alex Avila and Jake Lamb, two guys hitting below a 220, but their on-base percentage is over 120 points higher than their batting average. And when you take a look at the masters of this team, Christian Walker, 25 home runs. Eduardo Escobar, he is above 100 RBI. He's got 33 dingers. And then you take a look at the Cincinnati Reds. This is the top under team out there in the big leagues, but they are starting to play a couple more overs because for one, their bullpen is in the bottom 10 of the big leagues with regards to bullpen ERA ever since the All-Star break. But two, they also do have some guys that are starting to get on base. Aristide Sakino, Philip Irvin, and Jose Iglesias all in between a 290 and a 300. And then you got Joey Votto, Eugenio Suarez, Kirk Casale, Nick Senzel, and Blandino all hitting between a 250 and a 265. In the case of Suarez, he's got the most home runs in the big leagues ever since the All-Star break, and he's got 41 on the year. Aquino had 14 home runs in the month of August. That is a National League rookie record, so he's been doing his job. You got a couple guys like Jose Peraza and Tucker Barnard hitting in between a 230 and a 240, but all in all, this is a team that has become a little bit more offensive-oriented. This is a also a ballpark in which does lend itself to quite a few runs, even though it has been one of the better under-ballparks out there in the big leagues. The Arizona Diamondbacks certainly do have some woes with their bullpen as well, but I do feel a little bit better about Alex Young in this spot. I like his recent form, and this plus price is very appealing. So for that reason, riding with the Diamondbacks on the plus price, and I've already locked this one in, and I'm going to be looking at this total over with regards to the over. I'm looking to try to get this a little bit less juice on the 8.5. I'm currently waiting to see to see if the minus 115s become a minus 110, but going to be riding out, out either way. 953, 954 on the bang rotation. You've got the St. Louis Cardinals in the road face off against the Pittsburgh. Pirates. Stephen Brault goes for the Pirates. Meanwhile, Adam Wainwright for the St. Louis Cardinals. Your total on this game is 9. Overs anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. Unders anywhere between even a minus 105. Looking at the Cardinals, anywhere between minus 130 and minus 135. Plus price on the Pirates, anywhere between plus 120 and plus 125. And Stephen Brault has actually been very good for this Pittsburgh Pirates team. Over his last 13 starts, he's given up more than three earned runs in just one start. Now, ironically enough, that was against the St. Louis Cardinals about a month ago on the road, but he's done a great job of keeping the ball in the yard. Giving up right around 0.8 home runs per nine innings. Walks are a little bit of an issue. He's given out right around 3.7 of them per nine, but when you look at Adam Wainwright, he's got some very insane stats, and he too is a guy that gives out just under four walks per nine innings. Now, I will say that Adam Wainwright passed the five spot they gave up to the Milwaukee Brewers ever since really the beginning of the month of August has been very good, but last time he faced off against the Pittsburgh Pirates on the road, he did give up four runs, and this is a guy that at home has an ERA right around three. On the road, it climbs to nearly six, so that is a split that you do want to take into account. And for the St. Louis Cardinals, you don't have necessarily that one guy that is going to consistently have that great batting average or anything like that, but they do have some guys that are starting to come around with regards to being able to get on base. Tommy Edmond, Yadier Molina, and Colton Wong, all in between a 
290 and a 275. So that has been heartening. Tyler O'Neill, whenever he gets out there, he's hitting right around 275 as well. You do have a couple fam bats here. Some Bader, Matt Carpenter, both hitting below a 220. But then you got in the middle of the lineup a lot of pop with Paul Goldschmidt, Marcel Zuna, Paul DeYoung, and Dexter Fowler. Owing between a 247 and a 260. And in the case of Paul Goldschmidt, he leads the team with 29 home runs. Marcel Ozuna and Paul DeYoung also doing a good job. DeYoung has 26 stingers. Marcel Ozuna, 25. So they're getting a lot of production there. Meanwhile, with the Pittsburgh Pirates, you do have some guys that are doing a tremendous job of getting on base, including Kevin Newman and Brian Reynolds. Newman is hitting right around a 310. Brian Reynolds more in the neighborhood of a 330. And then you've got Sterling Marte, Cole Moran, Adam Frazier hitting between a 280 and a 292. And you got to throw in there Josh Bell is hitting a 280. And he has been a measure. 36 home runs, 112 RBI. He clearly slowed down after the All-Star break, but all in all, he's been doing a good job. And then with Marte, he's also got 20-plus stolen bases to go with 20-plus homers. You then have Jose Ozuna, Jacob Stallings, both hitting between a 260 and a 270. So they're able to supply whenever the team needs them. But I think a big difference in this one is going to be the bullpen pitching. With regards to the bullpen pitching, the St. Louis Cardinals, number one team out there in the league with regards to bullpen ERA since the All-Star break. Meanwhile, the Pittsburgh Pirates all year long have been in the bottom 10 with regards to bullpen pitching, but I do think Brault's going to give a good start. Really doesn't go past six innings, but I think that his six innings are going to be enough. Adam Wainwright's going to give up some runs, and then from there, things will settle down. So for that reason, look at the plus price here of the Buccos and going to be taking this total under. I know that the Cardinals are hot going into Friday. They had one out of their last 12, but I think this is a good spot for Stephen Currently, Wayne Seymour on the under to see if it climbs to a 9.5. And, and I'm noticing a little bit of money coming in on the St. Louis Cardinals as well. 9.55, 9.56 on the bank rotation. The Milwaukee Birds are going to be playing those the Chicago Cubs. You Darvish goes for the Cubs. Meanwhile, Gio Gonzalez for the Milwaukee Brewers. Your total on this game is 9 to 9.5 as well. I'll give you the 9.5 first. 9.5 juice is Minus 125 to the under. Meanwhile, the over is plus 105 with the nines. Your over is minus 120. The under is even. If you're looking at the Cubs, you're laying anywhere between minus 125, minus 130, plus price with the Brewers, between plus 115 and plus 120. Gio Gonzalez has been highly inconsistent recently. In two out of his last four starts, he's given up four plus earned runs. He's not given a lot of length whatsoever either. I can't remember the last time this guy went more than five innings, but there have been times where he's actually been able to do a very good job of being able to hold down the fort. I still remember the game against the St. Louis Cardinals in which he gave up something like six or seven runs in the first couple innings, and then from there, he was able to save the bullpen for about three innings. But with you, Darvish, this is a guy that ever since the All-Star break has actually been really good. This is a guy that was on my fade list earlier this year, and you take a look ever since the All-Star break, He's given up more than three earned runs in three of his starts, but in every one of the starts in which he has given up fewer than four earned runs, he has given up either zero or one aside from a two spot against the St. Louis Cardinals. So he's been delivering a lot of six innings, giving up zero or one earned runs. I actually really do like the way that he has been able to evolve himself. He's cutting down on the walks. His home run count for the year is still high, right around 1.7 home runs per nine innings, but he's been selling. Meanwhile, Gio Gonzalez giving up a little bit over one home run per nine innings, but his big character tonight gives up more than four walks per nine innings as well. And with the Milwaukee Brewers, the bullpen is so hit or miss. There was a stretch from... The middle of last week until these two teams played their first game on Thursday in which the Brewers have played seven games. Six went under, one was a push. And then they just get exploded upon on Thursday. 
giving up 10 runs. So it's one of those things where you don't know what you're going to get from the Milwaukee Brewers bullpen, but you do know what you're going to get from the middle of the Chicago Cubs lineup, even with Javi Baez missing the last couple days. He's been hitting right around a 285 with 29 plus home runs, but you still have out there Nick Castellanos, Anthony Rizzo, Chris Bryant, and Kyle Schwarber. And with Kyle Schwarber, he's the guy that's really letting the team down batting average. He's hitting more around a 235, but he's got 33 home runs. Nick Castellanos would have more than 22 home runs if he was playing for the team all year long, but ever since coming over to Chicago, Chicago. It's been hitting like a 350 with Schwarber, Anthony Rizzo, and Chris Bryant. They're all hitting right around a 290. In the case of Rizzo, he's got 25 home runs. Chris Bryant has went deep, I believe, 27 times now. Then you got Victor Carantini hitting a 270. Got a couple guys that do need to pick it up with the bat, though. Addison Russell, David Bodie, Jason Hayward, Ian Happ all hitting below a 250. And in the case of Happ, he's hitting more around a 220. And then Albert Omura Jr. also hitting right around a 240. But Ben Zobris is back. He's been doing a good job of getting on base in the couple games that he's been back. And for the Milwaukee Brewers, this is a team that's just relying a little bit too much on Christian Yelich should be able to supply the offense. We all know what Christian Yelich is able to do. Over 40 home runs. One of the top five base yards out there in the National League. Nearly 100 RBI. He is absolutely amazing. This team is kicking the tires on Tyler Austin, a guy that's currently hitting below the Mendoza line. And he has some company on this team as Manny Pina, Orlando RC, and Travis Shaw all hitting below a 235 themselves. You then have Hernan Perez hitting a 240. And then got a lot of guys that are hitting between a 248 and I would say a 265 in Eric Thames. He has Bonnie Grandal, Lorenzo Kane. Ben Gamble and Cody Spangenberg. But then you do have Ryan Brown, who's been doing a good job of being able to help out the team. 285 batting average. He's only hitting 18 home runs, but I say only, and that's a good thing because he certainly has been able to revitalize his career. I do think that we're going to see some pretty decent bullpen pitching in this one. I do think that Gio Gonzalez gives a decent start, but I do think that the bullpen of the Milwaukee Brewers gives it up. And I do think that you Darvish is going to be able to give another tremendous start. And with the Chicago Cubs, this is a team with a top 10 bullpen with regards to ERA, both in the second half of the year and for the entire year. Despite the fact that they have no Craig Kimbrell, I still feel good about them as Kimbrell had an ERA north of five before going on the injured list. So for that reason, going with the Cubs on the money line and the total under. With regards to the under, looking to see if I'm able to get that nine and a half with a little bit of better juice. And with the Cubs IRA locked in this price as the price on the Cubs sunk for a little bit before it wound up rising back up and I decided just to take what I could. 957-958 on the mega rotation. The Philadelphia Phillies hit the road to face off against the New York Mets. Marcus Stroman goes for the Mets. Drew Smiley goes for the Philadelphia Phillies. Your total on this game is 9. The under is just a minus 120. The over is even. There's an 8.5 out there now as well. That over is minus 120. The under is even. If you're looking at the Mets, laying anywhere between minus 150 and minus 158 plus price on the Phillies. Anywhere between plus 135 and plus 148. Drew Smiley has actually been productive for the Philadelphia Phillies. In his last six starts, the team is 4-2, but in those last six starts, he does have an ERA that's hovering right around 6 and all in all for the year. This is a guy that, with the Philadelphia Phillies, has an ERA right around a 4-5. In 43 and the third innings with the Philadelphia Phillies, he has been giving up right around 2.2 to 2.3 home runs per nine innings. He's actually getting some strikeouts, but he's also giving up the walks as well. He's given up nearly four walks per nine innings, and that was his MO with the Texas Rangers, though. His ERA there was right around an 8. He is backed up by a bullpen, though, that has been improved since the All-Star break. Since the All-Star break, Phillies in the top half of the league with regards to bullpen ERA. Then you take a look at Marcus Stroman. He hasn't necessarily been comfortable with the New York Mets. 
In his six starts so far, he has been giving the team less than five innings per start. One-on-one record, 455 ERA. Opponents are already nearly 300 against him, and I think that part of that is because he is very much a ground ball pitcher, and the Mets are one of the worst teams at being able to field ground balls, but what else the Mets do is they back him up with a pretty good lineup. You gotta like the fact that Jeff McNeil at the top of it has an on-base percentage just below 400. He's hitting for the year right around a 325. Then you got the Mashers in Pete Alonso and Michael Conforto. Both these guys hitting between a 260 and a 260. In the case of Mr. Alonzo, 44 home runs, over 100 RBI. And Conforto, 28 home runs, 80 RBI. Gotta like what you're seeing there. And then they've got a lot of players that have been towards the top half of the league with regards to batting average in the second half. J.D. Davis, who's been missing the last couple of days, Amid Rosari and Wilson Ramos, three of the top 20 players with regards to batting average ever since the All-Star break. Davis is hitting above a 300 for the year. Wilson Ramos and Amid Rosario between a 285 and a 295. They are kicking the tires on Brandon Nimmo. He's swinging right around the Mendoza line and Juan Lagarde is not far from it, but then you've also got Todd Frazier and Joe Panikini between a 235 and a 245, and Robinson is back in the fold. He's in a 260. He's got some pop in the bat. Meanwhile, with the Philadelphia Phillies, you do have a couple guys that are doing a decent job of being able to get on base. Scott Kingery, Cesar Hernandez, Gene Segura, JT Rimuto, hitting between a 270 and a 285. Then you got Bryce Harper. His batting average is right around a 255, and he's starting to pick it up with his power. He's got 30 home runs, 100 RBI. I will say for Reese Hoskins, his on-base percentage is a 380, but he's hitting just a 237 ever since the All-Star break. It's been a little bit cold, but he still has 27 home runs for the year. Then you need to get Mikel Franco going a little bit. He, Nick Williams, Roman Quinn, you've got a couple other guys that are just not getting the job done with the bat. They're hitting a 235 or lower. Sergio Rodriguez is in that fold as well. I do think that the Mets are going to get a better start here from Marcus Stroman than the Phillies will get from Drew Smiley. I do think that conditions are also very ideal for an over as well. Marcus Stroman has not been the same since going over to the Mets and we all know that the Mets bullpen, even though it has been much improved ever since the All-Star break, going into the All-Star break, third worst bullpen out there in the big leagues ever since that it's been in the top half. It is prone to giving up some runs, but I do think that the Mets are going to hit Drew Smiley, and I think they're going to hit him hard. Regression is about to set in. There's no way you can continue to be winning 66% of your games with an ERA north of five. So for that reason, looking at the Mets run line here in the total over. With the run line currently seeing that at plus 130, certainly would take it. Just going to see if a couple other books post a little bit of a better number. That's all I'm waiting on here. And with the over, trying to see if I'm able to get an unjuice eight and a half if at all possible. We move on to 959-960 on the bang rotation. This is a game that is presently off the board as it is Austin Voth going for the road Washington Nationals. And they're going to be facing off against the Atlanta Braves who counter at home with Julio Tehran. It was supposed to be Joe Ross going for the Nationals, but he was a scratch. So for that reason, this game is presently off the board. And there is a big difference between Joe Ross and Mr. Voth. Joe Ross had given up two earned runs or fewer, and really all but one of his starts since the beginning of the month of August. He had been doing a pretty stinky good job, but then you take a look at the real star pitcher, and I was going to be on the Atlanta Braves in this one either way. Julio Tehran has been terrific ever since the beginning of the month of August. He's given up more than two earned runs in four starts. He's given up more than three earned runs in three starts. The guy does have a little bit of a walks issue for the year. He's given up right around, I would say, four and a half walks per nine innings, but keeps the ball in the yard, giving up less than a home run per nine innings. This is a guy that also does not get a lot of run support. You take a look at a lot of his games, he's getting right around three or fewer runs of support. But then you take a look at Austin Voth. This is a guy that has been called into action a little bit, and he 
his first start of the year, ironically enough, was against the Atlanta Braves, and I believe that was on the road, and he wound up giving up just two runs in that start. All in all, he has actually been pretty decent for the Washington Nationals as he made four starts, five total appearances, 391 ERA. He's a guy that limits the long ball, 1.2 home runs per nine innings, 2.3 walks per nine. Does give up a little bit too much contact, but all in all, he's someone that's neither great nor awful in the PCL League where the ball is absolutely juicy. He has a 440 ERA. That doesn't sound great, but he's only given up one home run per nine innings in essentially a juice ball league. That is actually very good for this year, but what's not very good, the Washington Nationals bullpen. It's in the bottom three in the big leagues with regards to ERA, but what the Washington Nationals do counter with is a lineup that is locked, loaded, and ready for bear. Adam Eaton has been out of the fold quite a bit. You want to check his status moving forward because he's a guy that's hitting right around a 290, but even if he's not in the fold, you do have Trey Turner down for what at the top of the lineup. This is a guy that's one of the top base heroes out there in the big leagues, betting nearly at 300 as is Juan Soto and Anthony Rendon. The difference between Rendon and Soto is though is the fact that these guys on base percentage both above a 400 and both these guys 31 plus home runs in the case of Anthony Rendon he's got like 114 RBI Ryan Zimmerman and Victor Robles are now back in the fold especially Zimmerman he just got off the injured list a few days ago both these guys hitting at 250 and now you're getting some more at-bats out of Howie Kendrick sitting at 325 Jan Gomes Michael A. Taylor Ed Adams and Brian Dozier need to be showing a little bit more Gomes and Taylor both hitting below a 220 in the case of Dozier and Adams, these guys are hitting both below a 240, but Kurt Suzuki, whenever he's out there, hitting a 265 at the catcher spot. Meanwhile, the inliner Braves, top lineup is very good. Ronald Acuna Jr. and Ozzy Albies, both hitting between the 280 and 290 in the case of Mr. Acuna Jr. 37 home runs for him so far this year. Ozzy Albies went deep for his 20th yesterday, and then you got Freddie Freeman hitting at 338 home runs, 115 RBI. You're also able to get some good at-bats out of young outfielders like Adam Duvall, Austin Ryland Company. Both these guys hitting between a 240 and a 250, and then you got Josh Allison, Dansby Swanson, and Brian McCann hitting between a 255 and a 265, and Josh Allison really showing some power at this point. He's got 34 home runs. The team is also kicking the tires on guys such as a Denny Hetcheverria, Francisco Cervelli and company trying to see if they're able to get a little bit of spark out of them and Billy Hamilton. And I will say for the Anliner Braves, bullpen has been a little bit of a nightmare for this team. So the opening line on this game when it was supposed to be Joe Ross was the Braves laying right around minus 140 with a total of 10. If that is a similar line on this one, probably would be looking at this total under and probably would be looking at the Braves on the money line. But as always, check back in the morning on my Twitter feed at GNRS41 because I'm sure that this line will probably change a little bit. 961-962 on the bank rotation. The Colorado Rockies at the road to face off against the San Diego Padres. Going for the pods is Joey Lucchese. Meanwhile, Jeff Hoffman goes for the Colorado Rockies. Your total on this game is 9. The under is just a minus 120. The over is even. If you're looking at the Colorado Rockies, plus price anywhere between plus 150 and plus 152. If you want to lay it here with the San Diego Padres, you're going to be laying anywhere between minus 162 and minus 167. I do think that this is a worthwhile investment. You take a look at Joey Lucchese at home. On the road, ERA hovering right around five. At home, ERA more in the neighborhood of a three. At home, he's given up fewer home runs as well, which is to be expected. His home ballpark is Petco, but all in all for the year, nine and seven record for ERA. In the month of August, he was actually pretty good. He gave up three earned runs or fewer in each of his last five starts of the month. He went at least five innings in all but one of those starts, and his strikeout numbers towards the beginning of the month were good. They ticked down towards the bottom, but he still was able to do a nice job of being able to hold down the fort, and for that matter, he's really given up more than three earned runs in two starts ever since June 23rd, so he has been pretty solid. Then you take a look at Jeff Hoffman. This is a guy I want no part of whatsoever. He's given up more than two and a half home runs per nine innings, 
one and five record, 7.35 ERA. His best start was probably his last one going. Five innings, giving up two runs against the Pittsburgh Pirates in a losing effort. He made one start in the month of August. He recorded six outs. He gave up seven runs, all of which were earned. This guy is just absolutely awful. He's given up nearly four walks per nine innings as well. And the Colorado Rockies themselves going into their game on Friday with the San Diego Padres. This was a team that had a road record that was 18 games below 500. And I believe that they had lost 21 of their last 26 on the road. But they do have a good top of the lineup. Trevor Story, Charlie Blackman, Nolan Arenado. These guys are all able to hit. Charlie Blackman, 27 home runs, 319 batting average. You got with Trevor Story, 30 home runs, 19 solo base at 297 batting average, and then Arenado 37 dingers, 108 RBI, 312 batting average, and then you had Daniel Murphy, Remy Altavia, and Tony Welters all in between a 275 and a 285. Ian Desmond and Ryan McMahon hitting in that neighborhood of a 260, and Sam Hilliard a 250. I will say that Dom Nunes at the catcher spot has been a hot mess, but all in all, you do have some guys that are able to hit, but with the Colorado Rockies, keep in mind, they're the best team in the majors with regards to runs per game at home. On the road, they're more in the bottom half of the league, and with the San Diego Padres, you don't have a lot of batting average with Fernando Tatis Jr. out of the fold. And you do need to get a little bit more out of quite a few guys as you've got Will Myers, Austin Allen, Luis Areas, Austin Edges, the currently injured Ian Kinsler, along with Tim Janikowski, all hitting a 232 or lower. And for that matter, you can also throw in there Hunter Renfro. He's got 31 home runs and he's been banging it up recently, but he's hitting right around a 225. But the concept for this team, currently Eric Cosmer, he's got the best batting average right now in the starting lineup, two. 84 batting average, 20 home runs, 90 RBI, and then Manny Machado hitting at 265 himself, 28 home runs, 76 RBI. You've got Manuel Margot, Nick Martini hitting between a 235 and a 245. Martini, a very limited amount of at-bats. He's come over from the Oakland A's trying to get a little bit out of him. And then you've also got Josh Naylor, Greg Garcia, and Francisco Mejia hitting between a 255 and a 265. But all in all, not necessarily a lineup that's going to strike fear in you, but they are a team that when they have the long ball going, they certainly have it going, and there's no better guy to help them do so than Jeff Hoffman. And he's backed up by the worst team with regards to bullpen ERA in the big leagues ever since the All-Star break. Meanwhile, the San Diego Padres, they're below average in regards to bullpen ERA as well, but they do have Kirby Yates as a closer, and their fielding independent shows that there should be some positive regression coming in for them. So for that reason, I know that the Padres probably been one of the worst teams with regards to covering the run line as a favorite, but we're going to go for it here. Currently, that run line price is a plus 115. Would like to be able to get a little bit more value here, but I've already locked in the over. I was able to get a plus 105 on the over. Certainly would still advise it at even money, but we are already locked in on both of those. 963, 964 on the bank rotation. These San Francisco Giants hit the road to face off against the LA Dodgers. Tony Gonsolin goes for the Dodgers. Meanwhile, Tyler Beatty for the San Francisco Giants. Your total on this game is 9.5. Under Zeus, anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. The over is between even a minus 105. You're looking at the Giants. You're going to get anywhere between plus 215 and plus 221. Want to lay it here with the Dodgers. Anywhere between minus 245 and minus 250. Tyler Beatty has been a hot mess. In each of his last six starts, he's given up at least three earned runs, and in four of them, he's given up four of them. This is a guy that has just hit a massive wall. Why he's still getting starts, I really don't know. For the year, he's given up right around 1.9 home runs per nine innings, right around 3.85 walks per nine, and then Tony Gonsolin, very limited sample size here. He's only won 28 innings. I believe that he's made five total appearances, a couple starts, a couple relief appearances, but he's given up less than a home run per nine innings. You take a look at what he was able to do in the month of August. He wound up making four total appearances. He went 
an average of about five innings in each of them, and he gave up a grand total of four earned runs over the course of 20 innings. Not necessarily the highest swing and miss guy in the world. He gets right around seven to seven and a half strikeouts per nine innings, but all in all, has been doing a very good job for this team, and he's backed up by an L.A. Dodgers lineup that, let's face it, it's just absolutely fearsome. You've got Cody Bellinger. We all know what he's able to do. He's hitting above a 344 home runs, 104 RBI, but then you've got... Justin Turner, Corey Seager, Jack Peterson, all with between 66 and 67 RBI, but they're all doing it in vastly different ways. Jack Peterson, 245 average, 32 home runs. Seager hitting at 266 to go with 13 dingers. And Justin Turner down for what, 295 batting average, but he's really been picking up the power. He's now got 27 home runs. Will Smith and Matt Beattie, two young guys hitting between a 275 and a 290. And in the case of Will Smith, he's getting a home run every nine and a half at bats. He's been absolutely insane. You then have AJ Pollock hitting at 260. Kike Hernandez is coming off the injured list. Has been been terrific as well. And then you take a look at the San Francisco Giants. They're getting some good production out of Donovan Solano. He's hitting a 335. It appears as though Adam Dickerson is injured once again. He has not been seen from whenever he's been out there. He's been hitting right around a 300. Do need to get a little bit more out of the Brandons. Brandon Belt, Brandon Crawford, along with Jeff Rickard, and Marcelio Dubin. I'm sure I said that wrong, but we gave it a shot. They're all in between a 228 and a 238. You then also have Buster Posey, Evan Longoria, and Kevin Pillar in between a 257 and a 267. Adamus Garcia has been getting a couple of bats and getting recalled from AAA and hitting about 36 right now, but I will say that of his three hits, two of them have flown over the fence, and in the case of Longoria and Kevin Pillar, they're both hitting between 18 and 21 home runs, and you also have Mike Bichette. Then you also have Mikey Stremski in and out of the fold. He's hitting a 270-19 home runs himself. And I will say for the San Francisco Giants, even though they have a bullpen that's in the top three in the National League with regards to ERA, it has been wiltering recently because they did sell off a lot of those pieces at the trade deadline. Meanwhile, with the LA Dodgers, this is a team that actually has a very good bullpen despite the fact that Kenley Jansen, not the closer that he once was. And I do think that Gonsolin's going to be able to give a good start here. And I think that Tyler Beatty is going to get torn apart. So for that reason, looking at the total over and the Dodgers run line with the run line of the Dodgers seeing that, at minus 125. I'd like to see if I'm able to lay a little bit less juice here, and I'm looking to see if this total goes back down to nine, as that's what it opened at. Currently, we're seeing a bunch of unjuiced nine and a half, so in wait see mode there. 965, 966 is next on the banging rotation. This is an epic rivalry between the New York Yankees, and they are on the road facing off against the Boston Red Sox. This game is presently off the board, because as I was talking about with our good buddy Joe Murray, we have no idea who the Boston Red Sox are going to be trotting out there for a pitcher. Meanwhile, for the New York Yankees, we do know that it's going to be J.A. Happ, and J.A. App has been hapless at being able to limit the long ball. He's given up more than two home runs per nine innings so far this year. I will say that in his last four starts, three of them, he's given up three earned runs or fewer, but he's given up a lot of threes recently as this is a man that has given up fewer than three earned runs just twice ever since his second to last start in July on July 24th. So he has been giving up right around that three to four earned run range a lot. And with the Boston Red Sox, this is a team that we all know is very capable of mashing. They were able to do so last night, being able to bust through in the middle of the game. And it's one of those things where you've got a middle of the lineup that is one of the best that we've seen in a very long time. And Rafael Devers, Xander Bogarts, and J.D. Martinez, all these guys are hitting between a 310 and a 316. And in the case of J.D. Martinez, he's got 33 home runs. Rafael Devers, 29. Xander Bogarts, 31 of them. Then Mookie Betts has really been 
Copeland coming on as well. He's hitting a 290. You then have Christian Vasquez and Andrew Benintendi hitting between a 273 and a 280. Brock Colt and Marco Hernandez both hitting above a 300. Mitch Moreland only hitting a 240, but he's got 15 home runs and he's getting a home run, I would say, every 15 or so at bats. He's been trying to come back since coming off the injured list. It looks like he is back in fully loaded. Jackie Bradley Jr. and Sandy Leone, whenever they're out there, don't provide the best batting average, but all in all, very, very good lineup. And for the Boston Red Sox, second best ERA in the bullpen ever since the beginning of the month of August. Meanwhile, the New York Yankees, we all know about their bullpen. Tommy Ganley, Aroldis Chapman, Zach Broughton, and company, they're all doing a very good job. And with the New York Yankees, you also do have a very good list of mashers as you've got Aaron Judge, Flavor Torres, Luke Voigt, and Mike Talkman, all in between a 273 and a 283. In the case of Glaber Torres, this is a man that has went deep 34 times. Gary Sanchez has 33 home runs himself. He's hitting a 236. Edwin Encarnacion, very close to 239 batting average, 31 home runs. But I will say, in the case of Edwin Encarnacion, on base percentage, over 100 points higher than his batting average. Aaron Judge is really starting to come around with his home run power as well. D.D. Gregorius is hitting a 255 and Brett Gardner a 250. These are two guys that you got to think are going to improve as time goes along. And with DJ Lemayu. This guy's been absolutely terrific. He's got 24 home runs, over 90 RBI, hitting a 329. He's done a little bit of everything for this team. And I think that it's going to be very interesting to see how this shakes out. If it is Brian Johnson, who I'm kind of thinking is going to get to the start for the Boston Red Sox. Don't expect him to go anything really more than three or four innings. But the bullpen of the Boston Red Sox has been strong. I will say that the Red Sox are right around 500 at home. They've been much better on the road. And the Yankees, with regards to overs, have played over 64% of their home games to the over. That is the highest mark out there in the big leagues. So going to be interesting to see how this number shakes out. If this number is lower than 11, I'm going to be looking at it over. We've seen a lot of 12s though recently. At a 12, I'd probably be looking at it under. And when this number opened, I think it was right around 11 and a half. I would have taken it under there. And with regards to a side, I really need to know a pitcher. Hard to give you anything without it. So check back in the morning on my Twitter feed at GNR underscore you want for set plays there as I'm just waiting for a little bit more information before I can give you set plays. And I also need a line because I can't bet on a line that doesn't exist. And we go from one line that doesn't exist to another line that doesn't exist as we have 967-968 on the bank rotation. The Tampa Bay Rays are playing also Toronto Blue Jays. Making his debut for the Blue Jays, one of the key pieces of the Marcus Stroman deal, Anthony Kay. Meanwhile, you got Charlie Martin going for the Tampa Bay Rays, and here's a scouting report here on Anthony Kay. Obviously, the Blue Jays really liked him because they made him the big part of that Stroman deal. When he was with the New York Mets in their minor league system, he made 12 starts. He had a 149 ERA at AA Binghamton. And then you take a look at what he's been able to do ever since he joined the Toronto Blue Jays. It's seven starts with their AAA team in Buffalo. Two and two record, but at 250 ERA. The word on this guy is that he doesn't give up a lot of home runs across all of his stints at the minor league level this year. 0.8 home runs per nine innings. He gets right around one strikeout per inning, 9.1 per nine innings. The walks are a little bit of an issue. He gives up 3.8 walks per nine, but that's because this kid does have electric stuff. So I do like what I'm seeing there. Meanwhile, Charlie Morton, you want a guy with electric stuff. This is a guy that's getting right around 12 strikeouts per nine innings, 306 ERA. I will say this, going into late June, he had made over 20 starts and had not lost a decision. Ever since then, he has lost six of them. And you take a look at his last five starts. He's given up three earned runs or more in three of them. Slide so start against the Indians was very good. Gave up just one run in that one, and he's backed up by a very good bullpen. Though I will say for the Toronto Blue Jays, their bullpen is not necessarily bad. Now, the big issue that you have with the Toronto Blue Jays as well, the fact that they just don't have a lot of guys hitting for average at this point. 
You got three players in Reese McGuire, Flaguero Jr., and Bo Bichette that are currently hitting above a 230 that actually see starts for the team. And with Reese McGuire, he's not even starting every day for the team. You take a look at the lineup that they trotted out there on Friday. They had two guys in the starting lineup with a batting average above a 230. Now, with some of these guys, you're doing a good job of being able to hit home runs. Guys like Randall Gritchick, Justin Smoke, Teoscar Hernandez, they have between 20 and 25 home runs, so they've been doing a solid job there, but you need more out of guys like Brandon Jury, Kavon Biggio, Danny Jansen, Davis at the right field spot. The list goes on and on. Meanwhile, the Tampa Bay Rays got a lot more balance with this team. Obviously, Garcia, along with Tommy Pham, are two guys are in between a 270 and a 280. In the case of Pham, he's got 20 home runs. Obviously, Garcia, more around 17 to 18. You've got, Nate, you've got Nate Lowe doing a great job of getting on base as well. He and Eric Sogard, along with Austin Meadows, hitting between a 285 and a 300. In the case of Austin Meadows, this is right now the best home run hitter of this team. He's got 27 dingers on the year. Then you got a lot of guys are in between, I would say, a 240 and a 260. G-Man Choi, William Adamas, Kevin Kiermeyer in that realm, and then you got Matt Duffy, Joey Wendell, Guillermo Redia, Mike Zanino, all in below a 230. And I will say for Travis Arno, I left him out of that fold recently as well. He's hitting a 265, so he's been doing a very good job there. And with the Tampa Bay Rays, this is a team that's able to generate offense, I would say, pretty much on a dime. So that is something that you like to see. And the bullpen, just been all in all solid. Brandon McKay only gave them like three and two-thirds innings, and the bullpen from there was able to hold down the fort and hold the Toronto Blue Jays to Pretty much nothing whatsoever. I do like what I'm seeing there. Early leans on this game are to the Tampa Bay Rays on the run line. Seeing a total of like nine, I'm probably going to be taking it under. At an eight, I would start to consider it over. So check back in the morning on my Twitter feed at GNRSCORD1. I think that Anthony McKay going to give a decent start here, but I think that the Rays are going to be able to get to him, and I think that Charlie Morton going to be able to shut down the Blue Jays once again. And we've got another game that's off the board next. 969, 970 on the banging rotation. The Texas Rangers hit the road to face off against the Baltimore Orioles. We know that Aaron Brooks... No, not the former quarterback of the New Orleans Saints. It's going to be going for the Baltimore Orioles. Meanwhile, with Texas Rangers, we've got good old to be determined, which means that this game is presently off the board. It's probably going to be a spot in which the Texas Rangers are going to use an opener and a bulk guy. And I can tell you this for Aaron Brooks. He did wind up having two good starts out there in late August, but all in all, this guy has been a hot mess for the year. 4-7 and seven record, 581 ERA. He's given up a little bit under two home runs per nine innings, and you take a look at it, despite the fact that he went a grand total of 11 innings between his starts between the Royals and the Nationals towards the end of the month of August, this is still a guy that in his last six starts has given up three-plus earned runs in four of them, and then in the month of July, in two out of his last three starts, he gave up a five spot. He's backed up also by one of the worst bullpens that you can imagine, and for the Texas Rangers, this is a team that's played eight overs ever since the beginning of the month of August. This is a team that is really trending under. They were able to plate some runs yesterday, so that was very heartening to see, but this is still a team that they are struggling a little bit with the bat, and they're relying on Danny Santana because you've got so many guys like Joey Gallo and Hunter Pence out of the fold. In regards to Danny Santana, he's got a 285 batting average. He has went deep 25 times, so I will say that Willie Calhoun has been doing a good job of being able to help him out. He, along with Sinchu Chu, Alice Andrus, and Noah Mazzara, all in between a 263 and a 275. In the case of Calhoun, he's got 18 home runs, Sinchu Chu 21 of them, and Noah Mazzara right in the realm of 19 to 20 of them. And then you've got the guys that, well, they need to pick it up with the bat, as Jeff Mathis, Tim Fedorowitz, Ron Guzman, Steve Heineman, 
Rudnad, Odor, all these guys are hitting a 210 or lower. I will say in the case of Odor, he's got 20-plus home runs, but he's really been struggling recently. You then have Delisle DeShields Jr., Jose Trevino, hitting between a 240 and a 250, and Nick Solak, ever since getting called up to the big leagues, on base percentage above a 400, sitting at 300, so that's obviously been nice. And for the Baltimore Orioles, this is a team that's actually able to generate some runs. The Baltimore Orioles are very, very poopy, but at the same time, at the very least, they do have a little bit of power, and that is led off by Trey Boom Boom Mancini. He and Jonathan Villar both hitting right around a 280, but in the case of Mancini, he's got 30 home runs. You then have Renato Nunez going deep 28 times. He, along with Pedro Severino, are both hitting between a 250 and a 255. But then, my goodness gracious, you've got a lot of guys that they need to pick it up with. Their batting average, Rio Ruiz is hitting right around a 235. And then you've got DJ Stewart, Richie Martin, Jace Peterson, Chancisco, Chris Davis. Stevie Wilkerson, all guys hitting a 225 or lower. This team did bring in a little bit of an addition to help out their outfield and Mason Williams. He is currently hitting above a 300. Then again, it's a very, very small sample size. And Hanser Alberto has been terrific against lefties, hitting nearly a 400. 321 for the year. Doesn't walk a lot, but he still gets on base. And Anthony Santander has been nice. He's got 18 home runs, hitting nearly a 300. So that's been a little bit of a help. I'm not really able to give you a side on this one until I know a starting pitcher, but I'm going to imagine that it's not good for the Texas Rangers. We've been seeing the totals in this series below 10. If you're seeing a total below 10 and the Texas Rangers trot out there, someone that's not like Mike Miner or something like that, probably going to be looking at it over. And I'm probably going to be taking the Texas Rangers in the spot regardless of who they trot out there because I just am not bullish on Aaron Brooks. Now, obviously, this will change if I get a big plus price with the Baltimore Orioles, but early leans there. Check back in the morning on my Twitter feed at GNR score one for some plays there. We move on to 971, 972 on the bank rotation. The Cleveland Indians are going to be hitting the road to face off against the Minnesota Twins. Jake Odorizzi goes for the Twins. Meanwhile, Aaron Savali goes for the Cleveland Indians. Total in this game is 9.5. Over is used to minus 115. The under is minus 105. If you're looking at the Minnesota Twins, you're going to be laying anywhere between minus 156 and minus 160. Your plus price here with the Cleveland Indians. Anywhere between plus 145 and plus 150. Aaron Savali has been absolutely terrific for the Cleveland Indians. Has not given up more than three earned runs in any one of his starts. He should have a much better record than 3-3. Three and three. 41 and two-thirds innings. He's given up one home run and nine walks. That is impressive. Now, the guy only gets right around seven and a half strikeouts per nine innings, but I absolutely love what I'm seeing. He's given six plus innings in nearly all of his starts. Meanwhile, Jake Odorizzi has been one of the more profitable pitchers out there in the big leagues. 14 and six record, 361 ERA. He's been highly consistent recently. In his last four starts, he's given up two earned runs in one of them, and in the other three starts. He gave up three earned runs going between five and six innings in every one of them. So you sort of know what you're going to get. In the months of June and July, he was all over the place. He was going from giving up zero runs to giving up six runs and everything like that. Now with Jake Odorizzi, you can pretty much count on him going five innings and giving up between two and three earned runs. But with the Cleveland Indians, you do have some guys at the top lineup that are doing a very good job of being able to get on base and also supplying some power as you've got Famio Reyes and Carlos Santana, two guys hitting between 33 and 34 home runs. In the case of Carlos Santana and Francisco Lindor, these guys are hitting between a 289 and a 299, and Lindor has 28 home runs himself. In the case of Famio Reyes, he's hitting a 250, and then you've also got Jason Kipnis, Yasiel Puig hitting between a 240 and a 255 themselves. They do need to get a little bit more out of some of their guys. Roberto Perez, Kevin Pilecki, Yu Chang, Greg Allen and Jake Powers all hitting a 235 or lower, but I will say for Oscar Mercado, he's been doing a solid job. He, along with Mike Freeman and... 
Jordan Lupolo and the injured Tyler Naquin, all inning a 265 or higher. Then you take a look at the Minnesota Twins. This is a team with already the record for most home runs in a season. Nelson Cruz and Max Kepler, 35 plus apiece. You got Miguel Sano going deep like once every 12 at-bats. It's insane. You then have guys like C.J. Krohn, Mitch Garver that have like 25 home runs. Jake Cave has been seeing a dip in his batting average, but he's been good ever since getting recalled from AAA. Eddie Rosario sitting at 280 himself. His home run count currently at a 28. This is a team that hits home runs at home, on the road, at Pluto. It's absolutely insane, but I do think that Aaron Savali going to be able to do a very good job of taming them. He's done a very good job of limiting damage recently, though I do think that there is going to be a little bit of regression here, but I also do think that the Indians are going to be able to get to Odorizzi as well with the Indians. You do have the top open ERA out there in the big leagues, though. It has been shaking in the last 10 days, and the Minnesota Twins seem to be improving with their bullpen, but I think that they're going to give up a couple of runs as well. I think the Cleveland Indians are going to be able to get some home runs off of Jake Odorizzi. Jake Odorizzi is giving up right around 1.1 home runs per nine innings, but his walks are a little bit of an issue as well, and I think that the Cleveland Indians get to him in the spot, so for that reason, looking at the plus price of the Indians and the total over, noticing money continuing to come in on the Twins, so in wait and see mode there, and with this over, looking to see if this number dips down a little bit. I don't want to be laying as much juice, so in wait and see mode there. 973, 974 on the bang rotation. The LA Angels set the road face off against the Chicago White Sox. Andrew Heaney toes the rubber for the Angels. Meanwhile, Dylan Covey goes for the White Sox. Draw in this game is 10. The under is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. Over is anywhere between even and minus 110. If you're looking at the White Sox, going to be getting a plus price here between plus 139 and plus 148. If you'd like to lay it here with the Angels, it's anywhere between minus 149 and minus 158. And I can tell you right now, I want absolutely no part of Dylan Covey. Meanwhile, Andrew Heaney, I know that his last start was not necessarily ideal, but this is a guy for the year that's getting right around 11 strikeouts per nine innings, if not a little bit better. 4.16 ERA. Now, he has been quite banged up, and he has been giving up the long ball right around 1.65 home runs for nine innings is what he's given up, but all in all, he's been doing a pretty decent job for this team, and his last start, he wound up giving up four runs, but in the previous six starts that he had made, he had given up three earned runs or fewer, and I think that in all but one of them, he gave up two earned runs or fewer, so that's very good. With the LA Angels, you can't have a whole lot of faith in this bullpen. Their bullpen with regards to ERA in the bottom five of the big leagues in the month of August, and right now, they're picking up right where they left off with regards to that bullpen ERA, but with the Angels, what you also have is a man by the name of Mike Trout. He's got over 40 home runs. His batting average is hovering right around a 290-ish and this is a man with over 100 RBI so you have to like what you're seeing there. And then you do back him up with a couple guys that are able to get on base as well. Brian Goodwin, Daniel Fletcher, Shoei Otani, all guys that are in between a 285 and a 295. And Dalton Simmons has not been himself since coming off the injury list. He's a 265 and have a lot of guys hitting at 225 or lower for this team. And Wilfredo Tovar, Matt Theus, Max Stassi, Jared Walsh, Justin Upton, Austin Benboom. It's just really a little bit of a hot mess for this team with some of those guys. And I will say for Cole Calhoun, he's only hitting at 236, but he has been able to slide the power of 28 home runs. After like the fact that Albert Pujols is now hitting above a 250, he's been able to shell out some RBI with over 80 of them, right around 20 home runs for him. Luis Rangifo sitting at 242 for this team as well. So you do have some redeeming qualities there. And for the White Sox, this is a team in the bottom five of the big leagues with regards to runs per game ever since the beginning of the second half of the season, but you do have some guys that are doing a very good job at the top lineup. Yohan Makata hitting a 295. He's got 20 plus home runs. Tim Anderson hitting a 333. Now he doesn't draw a lot of walks, but at the same time, he does a very good job of being able to supply for the team. Then you got James Buchan, Lourdes Garcia, and Jose Abreu hitting between a 273 and a 283. And in the case of Jose Abreu, one of the better mashers out there in the big leagues, over 100 RBI, 29 home runs. That has been great. And then you also have Ryan Goins hitting right around a 265 Eloy Jimenez has 20 plus home runs. He's got his batting average above a 250. And then you've got 
Yomer Sanchez hitting right around 260. Need a little bit more out of Adam Ingle, Ryan Cordell, especially Daniel Polka. Daniel Polka has one hit in 53 at bat so far this year. That is so bad. But then you also have Bowling and Castillo. These guys are hitting between, I would say, a 205 and a 230. And then you have Danny Mendick, who just got recently recalled for the team. He's been doing a very good job in a little bit of about in a very low amount of at-bats. We need to wait and see what happens there. And for the White Sox, they do back up their starter with a pretty decent bullpen. It is a underrated one, and it ranks at the top half of the big leagues with regards to ERA ever since the All-Star break. But for Dylan Covey, this is a guy that I am not going to be able to trust him whatsoever because you just take a look at him for the year. He does pitch better at home than he does on the road, but he's given up nearly two home runs per nine innings. He's given up right around three and a half walks per nine. His whip is a 161. I always say that if your whip would be a good bench press for a set of 10, that's not good. I wish I could do 161 pounds per 10 reps, so that clearly is an indication there. He's not given a lot of length, so it's just one of these situations where got to be taking a look at the LA Angels. I think that Andrew Heaney, much better starter, but I do think that the bullpen is going to be able to do a decent job. Going to be looking at the total under and looking at the Angels on the run line. Currently, the run line of the Angels is even money. We'd like to be able to get a plus price if at all possible. I'm looking to see if this 10 gets down to a minus 105. I didn't see the minus 110 until I came on this podcast, so I might wind up locking this in a little bit later, but going to be on both of those. 975, 976 is next on the bang rotation. The Houston Astros are going to be playing also the Seattle Mariners. Yusei Kikuchi goes for the Mariners. Meanwhile, Justin Verlander goes for the Astros. If you like the Astros here, you're laying another big number. Anywhere between minus $4 and minus 410. Meanwhile, with the Mariners, you're getting anywhere between plus $3 and plus 350. Total on this game is 8.5. Over is anywhere between minus 115 and minus 125. The under is anywhere between plus 105 and minus 105. You say Kikuchi has won has been one of the better over pitchers out there in the big leagues among qualified starters. He's one of the best. He's got right around 80% of his starts going over. It's absolutely insane. And I will say for Yusei Kikuchi, he has shown some signs of brilliance throughout the year. I still remember the complete game shutout that he pitched a few weeks ago against the Toronto Blue Jays. That was very good. What's not so good, the 536 ERA, the fact that he's given up more than two home runs per nine innings, and just the recent starts for this guy in general. The last time he took the mound, he wound up giving up three runs to the Texas Rangers. He was able to get the win but he only went five innings in that one. And this is a guy that has given up three earned runs or more in four out of his last six starts. And in three of those, he gave up five plus. Meanwhile, with Justin Verlander, this is a guy that's coming off a no-hitter, and he could have easily had a no-hitter when he was at minus $6 favorite against the Detroit Tigers. It just so happened that the two hits that he gave up flew over the fence. This is a guy that has given up more than two earned runs in one start ever since the All-Star break. He is on a whole nother level, .77 whip. That's one of the greatest in the history of baseball if it continues, and he's backed up by one of the better lineups that you're ever going to find in baseball as well. George Springer, Jose Altuve, Michael Brantley, Alex Bregman, Jordan Alvarez, Yuri Gurriel are all guys that are hitting a 290 or greater. And I believe that all these guys have at least 20 home runs and most of them 25 plus, including Alex Bregman, who has over 30. Jordan Alvarez is getting a home run every 12 at-bats. You do have a couple guys that do need to pick it up with the batting average to catch your spot in general. It's been a little bit of a wolf for this team. You've got Josh Reddick getting right around at 270. That's when the famine bats, by the way. You have Abraham Doro and Kyle Tucker, too young guys are hitting below a 225, but you gotta feel like both these guys are gonna be able to find their way. Perhaps one of these guys are able to make an impact on a lineup during the playoffs. Meanwhile, for the Seattle Mariners, got a lot of guys that they do need to pick it up with their batting average as. You've got Shed Long, Ben Bishop, Daniel Vogelback, Mac Williamson, Dylan Moore, Ryan Court, Jake Fraley, 
all these guys are hitting a 225 or lower. Oh, I've also forgot Keon Broxton as well. But you do have Malik Smith, top BSU out there in the big leagues. D. Gordon has been a little bit banged up, but he's hitting right around 275 along with Austin Nola in the case of D. Gordon, one of the fastest guys out there in the big leagues. I will say for Kyle Seager, he's got like 15 home runs ever since the latter half of July. He's been absolutely terrific. He's upped his average above a 250. He's been great. Omar Nevis has been out of the fold recently, but Thomas Murphy is hitting a 280 for this team, and he's able to supply some power. 17 home runs for him. Tim Lopez has been doing a nice job out there in the outfield. 275 batting average. And for Daniel Vogelback, though, his batting average is not great. He does have 29 home runs and his on-base percentage is a 350. But with the Seattle Mariners, the bullpen looked good for a little bit of a stretch. Now it's once again coming back to earth. It's one of the worst out there in the big leagues. And for the Astros, they've certainly had their bullpen woes as well. But with Justin Verlander going 7+, plus and the fact that they still are one of the better teams with regards to bullpen in the big leagues, I do think that this is a spot in which I've got to be looking at the Astros on the run line. Run line price is a minus 190. Typically, I don't like to lay this number, but with how bad you say Kikuchi is, I just don't find value in plus 350 with the Seattle Mariners. I wish I did. I just don't. It's one of those things where I don't think the Seattle Mariners win this game 20% of the time. So for that reason, I'm going to be looking at the Astros on the run line. I'm going to be taking this total over. Probably going to wind up blocking in minus 115. I was hoping that this juice would get to minus 110. Turns out that the market is going against me. So for that reason, probably going to wind up blocking this in as soon as I get off the podcast. I'm going to go with the run line as well. 977, 978 on the bang rotation. The Oakland A's are going to be playing also Detroit Tigers. Jordan Zimmerman goes for the Tigers. Chris Bassett has a hook, line, and sinker on this game as... He also has his hook, line, and sinker on a massive price for the A's as you're going to be laying anywhere between minus 280 and minus $3. Meanwhile, the Tigers plus price anywhere between plus 240 and plus 250. Total on this game is 9. The over is reduced to minus 120. The under is even. And this is one of these spots where I actually do find a little bit of value on the underdog. I will say this, since it is a night game out there in Oakland, the marine layer is going to be out. So for that reason, the balls aren't going to be going out as much as normal. And these are two guys that they're both giving up, I would say, 1.35 to 1.5 home runs per nine innings. With Chris Bassett, he has been pitching well recently. In the month of August, he did not give up more than three earned runs in any of his starts. And you even date it back to the month of July. Ever since July 6th, he's given up more than three earned runs at just one start, so that's been nice, but he is only going about four to five He's only going about five to six innings in every one of his starts. And the Oakland A's bullpen has been showing some shakiness recently. And for the Detroit Tigers, I will say this for them. Their bullpen has looked better in Jordan Zimmerman. Ever since the beginning of the month of August, he's actually been good. In his last four starts, he's given up two earned runs or fewer in every one of them. Now, he has a 1-9 and nine record with an ERA above six. The public is going to look at that, and they're going to say, P.U., this guy stinks. He's also getting right around six and a half strikeouts per nine innings. But all in all, he actually has been decent. With the Detroit Tigers, this is not a team that hangs their hat on being able to get the long ball. No ifs, ands, or buts about it, which means that the marine layer being out probably plays into their advantage a little bit because they're probably going to have to play a lot of small balls to try to get this win with the Detroit Tigers. You do have a couple guys that are starting to pick it up with their batting average. Victor Reyes hitting above a 300 for this bunch, and then you also have Harold Castro and Miguel Cabrera hitting between a 275 and a 286. You do have Christian Stewart now back to the fold. He, along with Darwell Lugo, are hitting a 237. You need to get more out of some of these guys as Jamir Candelario along with Willie Castro, Rogers at the catcher spot, Grayson Griner, Need I Go On, Gordon Beckham, list goes on and on. All these guys are hitting at 225 or lower, but I will say for Rodriguez, he's getting some home runs. Brandon Dixon's hitting at 250. He's got a team best 15 home runs. In fact, I'm saying team best, and we're in September is not good, but this is a team that is starting to at least 
put up some runs as well. As you take a look at what they've done recently, they have scored at least three runs in every one of their games in the month of September. And then for the Oakland A's, you certainly do have some mashers on this team. And it is headlined by a pair of guys that are in between a 270 Three and a 276 in Marcus Simeon and Marcana. Both these guys have their home run count hovering right around a 24 to a 26. So they've been doing a nice job in that regard. And then you got the Mats, Matt Olson and Matt Chapman. Matt Chapman has went deep 31 times. He's got a 256 batting average. And then in the case of Olson, 28 dingers. His batting average is a 270. Need to go a little bit more out of Jerickson Profire, Chris Davis. Chris Herman and Sheldon Noyce. These guys are hitting a 230 or Lauren Jeb hitting a 233 himself. But then you got Robbie Grossman and Jeff Feigley, both hitting between a 245 and a 250. They're both able to do a solid job in the lineup. But I do think that this is a spot where going up against a right-hander for the Oakland A's is going to affect them. They're one of the bottom teams in the big leagues with regards to batting average against a righty. They really match lefties. And I do think that the Detroit Tigers are going to show some fight here. They've been giving you an honest effort all year long, and I do think that they're going to do so once again. I do think that it's going to lead to a win. So for that reason, going to be taking the plus price here of the Detroit Tigers and this total under with regards to the under currently in wait and see mode to see if this sticks up to a nine and a half. And I certainly don't think that the public money is coming in on the Tigers. So in wait and see mode there. And we wrap things up with 979, 980 on the bag rotation. The Miami Marlins are going to be playing also the Kansas City Royals. The Duffman, Danny Duffy goes for the Kansas City Royals. Trademark Scott Seidenberg on that nickname. Meanwhile, Caleb Smith goes for the Miami Marlins. Your total on this game is eight. The over is anywhere between minus 105 and minus 110. Meanwhile, the under is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 115. If you're looking at the Marlins, you're going to be laying minus 115 to minus 125. Meanwhile, the plus Meanwhile, the plus price here with the Kansas City Royals between plus 105 and plus 115. Caleb Smith has actually been very much a hot mess since the All-Star break. He ranks in the bottom 15 in regards to ERA among qualifying pitchers ever since the All-Star break. Got off to that very nice start, and he's still getting right around 11 or so strikeouts per nine innings, but we have really seen regression come in. Meanwhile, Danny Duffy, to call him hot and cold, would be generous. This is a guy that's giving up right around 1.7 home runs per nine innings. He made his first start off the injured list very recently in September against the Baltimore Orioles. Six and a third innings there. He wound up giving up three runs. He hadn't really pitched since August, and towards the end of his line in late July, early August, in his last five starts, he gave up four-plus runs in three of them, but in between there, he gave two good starts against the Atlanta Braves and the Chicago White Sox, giving up a combined three earned runs at 12 innings. And for both these teams, the bullpen has been very woeful, but at the very least at times, the Kansas City Royals bullpen has shown some signs of life, and they've been doing a very good job, and the Miami Marlins are just not scratching off runs. I know that over 60% of their home games have went over, but this is a team that was held down by Jorge Lopez last night. That is not a very redeeming quality. They rank in the bottom two in the big leagues with regards to home runs per game, though I will say that they are starting to get some guys that are starting to pick it up with regards to batting average. You have Mangarius Sierra. He's hitting above a 300 for this bunch. You then have Harold Ramirez, Brian Holiday, Jorge Alfaro, Neil Walker, Sterling Castro, John Birdie, and Miguel Rojas all hitting between a 260 and a 280. And actually, Miguel Rojas hitting a little bit above that. But then you've got guys like Izandia, Austin Dean, Lewis Brinson, Curtis Granderson, all guys are hitting a 215 or lower. It's been a very woeful for the team. Meanwhile, the Kansas City Royals, you have a similar issue as well. As the top of the lineup is actually pretty good. Hunter Dozier has a batting average hovering right around, right, right around a 290, 25 home runs for him. You've also got Jorge Soler, who's got 40 home runs. He's hitting a 250. Chesler Cuthbert is hitting right around a 245 to 250. Alex Gordon more in the realm of a 265. And then Adelberto Mondes, he's back in the fold. One of the best base dealers out there in the big league. He's hitting a 270 and Whitmer Merrifield a 307. You've got my Breeze, Valoria, and Nicky Lopez, both hitting between a 235 and a 240. But then you got Lucas Duda, Brett Phillips, 
Bubba Starlin, Ryan O'Hearn, and a bevy of others that are hitting below a 200 for this bunch. It is very, very tough, which is why with both these teams, you're probably going to see a lot of men left on base. But I do think that this total is just set a little bit too low, especially with these two pitchers and these two bullpens. Caleb Smith is just not really delivering what you haven't given up five earned runs or more in each of his last three starts and five plus earned runs in four out of his last five. That is just something that you can't come to grips with. And I think that Danny Duffy is going to be able to give a little bit of a better effort. So for that reason, riding with the Royals here and the over, I have already locked in the over at the price that it's at right now. This opened up at eight and a half. It is already down to eight. So I just decided, you know what, we're going to lock it in right here. I'm with the Royals. I'm currently seeing money coming in on the Miami Marlins. How or why? I don't know. So I'm in wait and see mode there, trying to get the best price possible. And that will do it for the Saturday edition of MLB overtime betting. We'd like to thank our guest Joe Murray of 98.5 The Sports Hub for joining me in the last segment. If you like your and if you like what you're hearing from this fine podcast, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Ever have any question for the podcast? Feel free to tweet it in at you 41 Let's make today a successful, profitable, and fun one. We'll talk to you guys once again tomorrow.